Show 257. Good times all around. Happy New Year goes out to everyone. As usual, I am here with Houdini to my left. Stag party across the way. I am D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And this week we're going to get into some fantasy football goo. Drop the knowledge on your domes. And we're going to go into week 18. This is wild card playoffs. So we're going to give you a, go through those matchups. Give you the fantasy football-minded stuff for that if you're still in these crazy leagues like Houdini or doing DFS. Give you a, a little a lowdown there. And then we're going to go into the second. I'll talk a little bit about some of these head, head coaching uh, openings and vacancies and what might happen there. And then uh, part two of the show will be uh, kind of a 2016 fantasy football uh, year in review type of thing. Going to touch upon a few different topics there. Uh, not go crazy because we got a whole off-season to talk about all this stuff. And we'll be doing a podcast each week from now through the start of the next season. So we're fired up. What's up, Houdini? Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's uh, postseason time. Uh, it's exciting. I like uh, this. Is like well, this is this is where you know it's the end. It's, it's the exciting, but it's also the end because now you only have what. Uh, Three more weeks of, of uh, football before the Super Bowl. Yep. So, and then we have a big off season of waiting. And here in Chicago, we're definitely already waiting. We've been waiting since October. Um, <laughs> and, and we waited for a long, long speech that happened today, a 45-minute interview in which nothing was said except for John Fox saying, well, you know, we, it, it's hard to run the ball because we averaged the fifth most yards per carry. Oh, Okay then, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, this is making tons of sense for me now. <laughs> and and saying that they're going to at this point in time retain all of their uh, coaches. So. You know. So there's that. Yeah. So, so happy New Year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We, I think you know 
what did they have, 22 guys on the IR on their defense or something this year? Um, so maybe in the whole team. But whole team. I mean, a lot of players going, through, going to the uh, injured reserve. So hopefully that's the reason why we sucked Bell so much. We'll figure out the quarterback action, hopefully. Uh, I know and, we don't uh, normally do these sidebars at yeah. the beginning, but to me, part of the reason is also that they have horrible facilities. I, I remember Antrell Roll saying, you know, the, the grass at, at – Hallis Hall is atrocious, and guys are twisting their, their you know, getting non-contact injuries out there. So you also have Soldier Field, which is notoriously one of the worst surf playing surfaces in uh, the NFL. So do something about it. Yeah, that's like kinda... what spend all their cash flow that they don't have. Who cares? <laughs> well, whatever. They're gonna have to figure out something. The the Browns were able to get rid of all those viruses that were going around their complex ten years ago. So the Bears got to be able to do something about the grass at their at their spots. I mean, the only virus that's going on around the Bears, I mean, the, the Browns facilities these days are is the team and the players. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, uh, poor Browns. God, that was a tough season for them. What was it the first time in NFL history that two teams lost the 13 consecutive games in the Browns and the uh, the 49ers? Sweet. All right, keep up the good work, teams. All right, well, let's get into Week 18. Obviously, that is one more than Week 17, the final week <laughs> of the regular season. And uh, this will be... Good uh, math. There we go. I'm amazing at that math stuff. My right brain is uh, really partial to this kind of information. Uh, game number 257 is going to be a doozy. Not really. We'll see. Uh, Raiders are going to be down in Texans. I think Texans are the first team ever to uh, make the playoffs and be the lowest scoring uh, lowest scoring team in the league. Hmm. Pretty crazy. Interesting. Um, yeah. But when we talk about this game, we're talking about losses all over the field. And we're talking about ESPN losing $75 million. Crazy. Just to, the right to show this game and how you got to feel about that. But on the other side, there's losses all over the field. I mean, we're not going to see Derek Carr in this one. We're not even going to see Tom Savage in this one. So it looks like a matchup between Brock Osweiler and you know Connor Cook, a rookie getting his first start, and he'd be the first uh, rookie to get his start in a postseason game since, what, 1966 or even longer than that? So there's a lot of... You know, interesting storylines to go on here, and we've already seen these two teams play, what, five, six weeks ago in Mexico City in a primetime game, and how, you know, awe inspiring that was to watch. So, I gotta say, I really can't wait to watch this one. <laughs> no, I wanna, I'd rather follow uh, Connor Cook's dad on Twitter. I, I agree with you. I, there's nothing really compelling about this game, especially like if you're a person like me that looks at, okay, I got three weeks left to play uh, DFS. This is a game that I don't want to be invested in. You know, there's not really any high upside player that you can look at. Are you going to point to one of the running backs? I mean, I don't know that you really can in this matchup. I mean, there's one. There's one play that sort of stands out in this matchup. That's Lamar Miller. But he's coming off, he's back like, off of, of injury. And yeah, he's but they held him out for two weeks because it was meaningless. Like, I, they, they just let him get healthy. I, I hope so. I hope so. But at the same time, is it something that you're really going to bank on? It's What I'm just saying is this is a real ugly matchup. The fact that you have uh, crap-tastic quarterbacks. I mean, at least if, if Derek Carr was in this game, you'd have something to watch more than you can say, oh, let's see how fine-tuned they're going to be trying to get get toward the uh, the Super Bowl. But right now, you're like, how long can they hang on? And they'll probably maybe hang on this week only because they're playing craptastic Texans. 
Well, the one thing you see is the line uh, opened up at 37.5 in this game, and now <laughs> it's gone down one point. So you're at 36.5 from uh, um, is the cover uh, right now. You know, the Texans, what if what if they can just pull it around? You know, the bro- broke ass wipers been saying all season, this is right where we want to be. This is right what we want to do. We want to we want to change people's minds and try and turn heads. So maybe this is all planned perfectly. They're 7-1 at home this year. So... And, you know, Oakland, who was a few weeks ago was, you know, kind of a favorite, top five favorite for at least a Super Bowl bid to uh, go up against uh, maybe to dethrone the Patriots and get there, uh, are now, you know, kind of hurting, as Staggs alluded to, when you got your rookie uh, quarterback, his first start ever is going to be the playoff game. Not a good time. So when we look at, you know, the Raiders as a whole, you'd think they'd go with the ground-oriented attack led by Latavius Murray. But the last couple weeks, they just haven't. It's like, okay, now we finally got Latavius Murray rolling for the middle portion of the season, and now let's just stop. Now that Derek Carr's out here, let's just stop. Let's start giving the ball to DeAndre Washington, who made some nice plays a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then, you know, Jalen Richard still involved on third down and still involved as a change of pace back, and now they're splitting up carries, you know, all over the place. So it's hard to trust any of these guys for a DFS purposes I mean, especially Latavius Murray at his price tag, you're almost better off looking at DeAndre Washington and hoping he somehow gets those 8 to 10 touches that he got a couple weeks ago and maybe scores, and then you can you know get some value out of a low-end player. But just looking at Latavius Murray, I find it hard to play him against a Houston Texans team that's allowing the third-fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs on the season. Uh, they're very stout, especially when Jadavion Clowney's in the lineup. So I just don't see playing this run game. And then you look at the wide receivers. How does that work You know, with Connor Cook? We saw you know, a couple nice things, and we saw a decent throw to Amari Cooper. But other than that, it's a lot, and a lot of question marks. You hit the nail on the head when you were talking about do you start him against this run defense. No, but what you do start in this matchup is maybe you start one of the defenses. Uh, because going against a rookie in his first game, maybe you're going to take advantage of that, you know, because they are going to be the home team in, in this matchup, you know, so maybe that, that pressure on the road. Or if, if Oakland is going to win, it's going to be predicated on what their defense does. And maybe I'm, I'm maybe better off saying I want to bet against Broke Osweiler and I'll, I'll take my chances with Khalil Mack and what the, what the Raiders got rolling because I don't know if there's going to be a lot of offense. I bet you there's going to be some sort of defensive or special team score, if not multiple, in this game. Do you think that they were, I mean, it looks like they held them out and they only had five carries last week, but when you're looking at Latavius Murray, do you think they were kind of holding him back a little bit on his workload? I mean, literally over the past, final three weeks, 15, 16, 17, over those weeks, he had under, he had about 15 fantasy points total in those three games. Well, first of all, last week, if you're holding him out, why? You needed to win that game. Yeah. So, you know, they gave five, they, hit five carries for 11 yards. They fell behind quick in that one, so maybe they just decided, you know, no McGloin. You know, sorry, Latavius, let's go with these other guys. But, yeah, they needed to win in that one to win the division and then hopefully get a bye week. But we've seen that. It didn't happen. So now we're talking about them playing this week, and now they're going to be trotting out a rookie quarterback. And I think that means bad things for the pass catchers. Especially the tight ends, we could pretty much just ignore Clive Olford and Michael Rivera. I think they've got something like 51 combined receptions on the season. None of them have been you know, relevant enough season long to be important now. But there could be a, a touchdown there for one of them. 
more than likely Walford, then Rivera. And then you look at you know the rest of the pass catchers. Seth Roberts is a favorite of Derek Carr. We have no idea the chemistry that he and Connor Cook have. How does that sort of exist and affect him? Because I think without Carr in the lineup, he's a, you know, a tough play. He could end up with a zero. And then Amari Cooper going up against A.J. Boye. We saw, we saw it just a couple weeks ago where he struggled but did get off you know, for a touchdown. It's sort of exactly what happened to him last week. He's really struggling and got off for a long touchdown. And every single one of his touchdowns this season have come from greater than 20 yards. So he's not a red zone threat. I mean, that guy is obviously Michael Crabtree. And Crabtree had his worst game of the season against these guys. What do you have? Three tar- three catches on seven targets for a total of five whopping yards? Like, it, it wasn't great. So the inspiration to play any of the guys on Oakland just isn't there for me. Yeah, and the biggest problem with the rookie quarterback and with the loss is the loss of timing. So that timing matters in that sense where you have a guy who's cutting across the field. Instead of hitting him in stride where maybe he can catch the ball and go for another 15, 20 yards to take it all the way, he's probably having to redirect his route, maybe even having to, to adjust to a ball behind him. And you also have the problem where the, the rookie quarterback is not reading the defense correctly and he leads a man into trouble. And then you see a guy get smoked on the first play of the game. Now, we've seen how that can affect games a.k.a. Uh, Denver in the Super Bowl when uh, Demarius Thomas got floored. Uh, the, that was it, the second second play or first play from, of, of the game yeah. and was just never the same since. And you can, if that happens early, the confidence then is, is gone from the quarterback, from the receivers, and then they're never going to be connecting for the most part. Yeah, just to continue on with that, through three quarters of that game earlier this season, uh, the Raiders had just 120 total yards of offense. It wasn't going well for them. They were able to get some things going late with Derek Carr and his late-game heroics. But other than that, it's a little bit concerning because I just don't know what they're going to be able to get done with the rookie quarterback. So I'm probably out on the Raiders. The best, the chalkiest play of the week, though, is probably going to be the Texas defense because of all these things we talked for. They're a home favorite. They played better at home. Uh, lots of things with their pa- uh, pass rush. And being able to get to a rookie quarterback, you know, a guy making his first start in the playoffs, you know, it's pretty much unforeseen. So there's just all these things you look at, and it's like, these guys are going to be the talk of the town. What, what do you think about the rest of the sort of Texans? Well, one, one thing I want to bring up with you is, is what do you, what are your thoughts on um, uh, if McGloincloth was, was playing instead of Cook, would you have... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ouch! Ouch! Had, had, would you would you change? Would you change your? Or are you still still out on him? I, probably, I just had to say McCoy call it while we were on this game. <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to say it ever again in my whole life. So get it out. <laughs> so with with McCoy thought out. Or, That's why you're not married. On the floor, or whatever your McCoy thoughts doing. Uh, I, I I wouldn't have changed too much for me, except I've seen him play and I've seen that. He has a willingness to take shots, so I might bump up the receivers a little bit. But other than that, uh, it's not good for me. Are is Crabtree going to be able to wear his uh, his chain anymore? We saw, you know, my favorite Akeem Talib uh, snatch that thing off him. Remember, we've talked about that uh, thing on this show for probably the last four, every about four or five weeks of here and there, and he finally got that thing sniggy snatched and. Uh, 
I don't know. I hate to leave, and I think he's punk, but it's, I do too. But I'm, I'm glad like, it's I'm, gone. I'm, I'm, I'm with the that. I agree. And same thing. Remember how many years ago we could play? Hey, all these guys with the long hair, so I can't read your name. So yeah. hey, the guy want to tap you by your hair? It's part of your. You can do that. Dude. You can tackle a guy by his hair, and I can't remember who it was. There was like a dread on the side. Someone that yanked the guy's Lawrence dread out. Maroney? Didn't yeah, didn't someone or didn't wasn't Ricky Williams have someone rip one of his dreads out at one yeah. point in time? Probably. Yeah. Um, well. He, he, Williams now going to be on the uh, the new uh, uh, what's celebrity yeah Princess? celebrity started the, the other night I didn't see it um, all right yeah let's go over to the uh, Texan side of the ball um, not much to say you know bitch slap uh, candidate uh, extraordinaire in, in in DeAndre Hopkins um, he was looking good underneath um, Savage much more so than than uh, broke ass wiper what are we gonna what are we thinking is is he gonna have a good game here is the matchup bad they're just Brock's just not at the arm to get him the ball. How can you? I don't know how you can trust anything that's going on. I mean, look, look the, the betters are telling you, Vegas is telling you, there's not going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Uh, everything that you've seen from Oswald, it doesn't matter what uh, Hopkins does. You know, the timing is just not there. His ability to get the ball in the right spot at the right time is just not there. Uh, he makes poor decisions. He's not careful with the football either when he's holding it back there. So, no, I, I think he's. We said earlier, who's maybe the best option out of the bunch? It's going to be Lamar Miller, you know. But are you going to be even really able to take a chance on a Will Fuller or any of these ancillary guys? I don't know how you can. So, to me, I really am just staying away from every offensive player in this matchup. Uh, and, and and happily to do so if I'm playing DFS. Yeah, I've got a little bit more hope for Lamar Miller. When he performs best, he's at home. He averages six more uh, carries when at home than versus on the road. Uh, averages 85 yards per game on at home uh, compared to 60 on the road. Touchdown rates higher at home. They're favorites. Everything you look at just means it should be good for Lamar Miller. And with very few trustable options at running back this week, he's going to be one of the top th- two or three out there. Uh, so looking at Lamar Miller, another reason you like him, Touchdown uh, and touchdown ability and how they can't score touchdowns pretty much without a run game and they're one of the worst you know teams in the red zone I've ever seen but whatever let's let the rest of the guys um, what, what did Miller do against them last time 24 rushes 103 yards and a touchdown also got involved in the pass game one of his better games of the season DeAndre Hopkins caught what five of six targets. Uh, against them, and then last week we saw him heavily, heavily targeted. You know, got Brock Osweiler got him the ball with nobody around him for once, and he was able to make some things happen after the catch. I think he had pretty much more yak in that game, uh, just that game, than he did all season combined. So he was able to get it going after the catch a little bit, so that was good to see. Now we'll see if they can design some more plays to get the guy the ball in space because they need to. Will Fuller, you know, he had a great first month of the season. But after that, what do you have, 273 yards in the first three or four games? And then after that, you know, 300 total yards in the remaining 11, 12 games since. You know, he's been untrustable. The reason you play him is you just think he can get deep uh, on one play. And I don't know if that's going to happen against this Raiders team. You've got to hold the ball. And I don't know if you want to do that against Khalil Mack. No, and as I look at it, I mean, there are different players that I would rather uh, uh, in different matchups this week. 
uh, wide receiver that I would rather take my chance on for hitting a deep play downfield, at least with a, like, you know, you have players in the Steelers, uh, you know, there's players that you can, you know, uh, uh, drifting down uh, even with the Giants. I mean, at least, at least offenses that take shots downfield with success. I, I don't see how the, the Texans have done that really at all since week one, two, or three. Yeah, and then just wrapping it up, I think the other, you know, pretty decent play here is C.J. Fedorowicz. Last time, uh, last time they played, they had 10 targets go his way, caught six passes for 82 yards. You know, Fedorowicz hasn't had less than five targets in any game since week three. So he's consistently getting targeted, and with the crap out there at tight end, he's a pretty good option. You just gotta hope he finds the end zone, which has been hit or miss for him. But more more miss than, than he was getting the end zone a bunch in the middle of the season. Yeah, and then it pretty much went away from him uh, by about like week ten. Yeah, I think did he score last week? Is that correct? He may have, but yeah, he finishes the seventeenth tight end on the season, and he did score a touchdown last week against Tennessee. Uh, but yeah, his upside is sort of capped. He's only got three. Games this season with double-digit fantasy points, so so that's a little bit concerning. But if you're looking for a cash game play, who's going to get you, you know, ten or so points and not just leave you with the zero out there? You know, Fedorowicz is one of those guys. Wow, uh, I agree. Let's move on from this game. You cool with that? Uh, all right, there. Like, as you said, that's crazy that ESPN will lose that much money. The fact that one yeah, playoff game is hundred million dollars isn't that insane? Um, all right, let's go to the next game. But before we do so, let's uh, quickly do a pyro promo. Um, basically, I just posted a really interesting hour-long video to our Facebook page. It's something that I put up on Twitter uh, a while back that somebody was uh, kind of re- got some love in the last day or so. Um, and it's basically an old video that was on Frontline, an old kind of like uh, PBS channel, uh, public television channel, um, or show back from early, like 1983, I guess. Uh, and it's basically an amazing thing. It's called The um, Unauthorized History of the NFL. It's all about gambling and Vegas and the NFL and sports books and all the casinos, sports books. And it's a crazy thing. It's about an hour long. Watch it if you got the time. It's on our Facebook.com page, facebook.com forward slash pyromaniac. Um, it's also, I'll probably tweet it again uh, tomorrow, uh, and lift, and, and so it's there again. But check that out. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Just to see some of those old players as well. And um, it, That was right when the NFL was starting to take off. But the CD underbelly and the mob with the NFL, pretty crazy the way it had. Um, great video. So, Lions at Seahawks. You got to be thinking that the Lions are a little bummed out that they <laughs> lost that game uh, the other night against the Packers because they're playing the Seahawks instead of the Giants. And either way, they would have had to play. They would have been, 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 been at home against the Giants. Yeah. Jesus Christ. The worst place you want to travel to would be Seattle to play a playoff game. How does that work for the franchise? So does a franchise lose a shitload of money there because the game's not at home? It's well, yeah, you lose, you lose your home your home gate, your home concessions and parking and all that stuff. God, I mean, the team's got to be like, dudes, could have just made like a ton of more money to pay your salaries. Yeah, well, it, it happens. They lost. Not much to say about it. Uh, I'm saying something about it. <laughs> they got better hot dogs over there at Ford Field than they do at the link. 
All right. <laughs> the reviews of hot dogs now. <laughs> I'm good at that. I, I don't eat hot dogs outside of Chicago, and I don't, uh, good point. you know, so. Go on, go on. So, the Lions, this game's. I mean, I'd almost rather play the Seahawks at this point than play the Giants with how tough they've been playing over the last couple weeks. Their defense has been absolutely stifling, and without Earl Thomas, this past defense for Seattle hasn't been the same. Uh, since Seattle, since he's been out, nine touchdowns and just one interception. Before that, they had allowed just seven touchdown passes against 11 interceptions. So now that he's out, I think this might be a slightly better matchup now that you're not... Yeah, you don't get the benefits of being at home. The 12th man. But, you know, the Seahawks just aren't playing well overall, and the Giants are a little bit hotter. I know, I agree with you. You know, look what how San Francisco uh, gave, gave them a run for their money last week. Uh, granted, that was in San Francisco, but it, it's still a roadmap. And now the other thing, too, that the Lions have to bank on is that Matthew Stafford with the bad finger should hopefully only be getting better as, as more time has gone by. You know, he, he's continued to play through it with the glove uh, since that happened against the Bears, which was, was that week 13 or, or something like that? So he's been playing the last four, four or five weeks with this glove, and he's not been playing well. Probably played one of his better games this last week in the, in the, in the loss. So, again, with the banged-up secondary that they have there in, in Seattle and, and then you have uh, Golden Tate, who is continuing to to produce. Um, it would be nice to see if Marvin Jones could get back to some of the early season he level. Looked, he looked better in that last game as, as well, though. He, he he had some stuff. He wasn't a ghost. But he's right. But he's not. He needs to, he needs to be a real second compliment. If you're going to be a team that's really going to contend for the Super Bowl, if you're going to con- and and to go on a road in a game like this, you're going to need. They're going to do everything they can to take your top weapon out. It's it's almost like the killer's kiss when you're kind of like a mediocre player and you get a 200 yard game. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, it's like I, can I could I have just had three 90 yard games instead of in a row? You know, it's almost better because you have you have the 200 yard game. He's the pickup of the week. Everyone thinks, oh, it's the season, all stuff, and then it's been all downhill from there. So expectations. He's are done it twice though. He did it when he was in Cincinnati. Yeah, but that was like four years ago. Yeah, whatever. It was eight touchdowns and like uh, <laughs> he had a four touchdown game, I think, wasn't it? So. Yeah, and some style points on a on a flip into the end zone. One yeah. Time. One thing about Matthew Stafford. Um, NFL record eight fourth quarter uh, comeback games this year. Think about that. Half of the games he played this year, they won in the fourth quarter on a comeback. That's pretty incredible. And along the lines with that, this game has an eight-point spread. You look at that, and you're like, hey, maybe the Lions can keep it close here, you know, just enough to win my money. They don't have to win outright. You know, you're not betting that way. But... You know, it's sort of changed a little bit for them over the last couple weeks because they've gotten a little bit more blown out. Uh, their margin and losses over the last three weeks have averaged 13 points. Well, the other thing that I would say is if you have eight uh, game-winning comebacks, right, uh, you were losing, losing. <laughs> in yeah. eight games coming down toward the very end of the game. So what does that tell you? You're probably not that great of a team. Did you guys see the whole, some of the pregame stuff in the game where his, uh, who's his buddy that's on the Dodgers? I'm not a baseball guy. Uh, Mike Trout. No, the left-handed guy. Oh, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, Kershaw. Oh, yeah. He was talking. He, yeah, sorry, he was talking. He was talking to him on the field before, and like he, they were, they had the camera on him, and Stafford was like, "Yeah, 
I have no idea how we're doing it. We're just getting it done. I mean, he had no confidence. Like, he's talking to his buddy in the car. He's like, yeah, we're just getting it done. We're going to be in the playoffs. I have no idea how we're doing it. We're just kind of getting lucky. You know how we know we're doing it? Because Washington sucks and it's going to get oh. beat uh, in a game with the Giants. Could have allowed them to have uh, the, the uh, three teams in uh, the playoffs from their division, but they decided, no, don't need to see you, division uh, rival. Ah, stinker. Some dirt. Uh, yes. Well, um, anything else do we want to talk about? Um, Lions, uh, Zach Center. Yeah, I love the quote I read by Bennett uh, today. Uh, Zach Center last night. Zach Center is the best white running back in the league. Hello, that guy's a sound by way. Those Bennetts. I'd love to do crack with those guys and just hear what they have to say. You know, I wonder if Danny Woodhead's going. If I wasn't hurt, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still the best white running back in the league. <laughs> Uh, Riggins is like, if this guy's the best, God, why couldn't I have been in the league in this era? <laughs> what the hell, what the hell was, oh, Peyton Hillis is sitting at home going, I was the greatest white running back. And I was on the cover. I was on the cover of Madden, <laughs> for fuck's sake. For one year, I was the greatest <laughs> ever. Uh, so, Zach Zetter, he's been running hard lately. They're, they're giving him the ball. He's playing a ton of snaps. You know, we sort of moved away from Dwayne Washington. And who knows what's happening with Theo Riddick. It just looks like you can't worry about him. You can't wait for him right now. So they're going to go with Zenner. So he's not even hurt right now? Yeah, he's got a wrist injury. Okay. But no, nobody right. knows how long you know he could be out. Because they're keeping it very you know tight to the vest. Uh, so Zach Zenner's the guy right now. He's getting passing work. He's getting goal line work. And it's sort of capping Stafford's touchdown upside. And he has... That was his first game with two touchdowns pretty much since that Bears game. So that hurts a little bit. I, I'm not going to play Stafford in DFS. Uh, you know, of course, he's a tournament play with all these other crap quarterbacks uh, on the slate. But, you know, in cash games, I think he could go a different route. Stafford just needs to get the ball out of his hands quick to Tate and Jones. We saw Jones had a pretty nice week. What he ended up with? Five catches for 76 yards. Uh, it's one of his better games of the back stretch here. So I like what he can do. Uh, and then Ebron, I think Ebron's a strong play. We saw Ebron, you know, late in that game sort of take over when they needed him. And I think that's potentially something they're going to need against Seattle. So uh, I, I think they're going to have to pass to keep it close. That's the only thing you look for, you know, in sort of in the matchup. When it comes to Ebron, I'm really just hoping from a fantasy standpoint and for Lions fans – I hope he really works hard this offseason because he's got all the tools and he's got all. He just could be just like he could be Gates, you know, Antonio Gates esque. He, I hope he just puts the work in this offseason and comes back renewed, stays, you know, conditions himself so he can stay. He's always nicked up and banged up. Uh, but even on the on the game the other night, uh, you know, they were kind of making Gruden and, and the other the new fellow were making fun of him just about his blocking. It's like work on your blocking, like just just. Come on, I hope I just he's got such a great opportunity. All he needs is like one great season and he can get a shite load of money. Ebron put in the work, do it for you know, he's the eighth overall pick. What three this is third or fourth year? Uh, well, I think it's third year. Yeah, yeah, so let's do it. Beyond and this is this is my second beer. Now there's a couple of questions that I have to ask you. They're a little personal. Have you ever been uh, convicted of a felony or a misdemeanor? That's uh, robbery, rape, car theft, that sort of thing. Convicted? Yeah. No. Never convicted. <laughs> close. Getting close. 
We uh, we done with the Lions? Yeah, let's uh, talk about the Seahawks because I think there there's a lot of good plays on this side of the ball, and I think it starts with Russell Wilson and you know Doug Baldwin and that sort of combo. And you look at the run game; it's been non-existent, you know, as of late. They've been trying to get Rawls going, but it hasn't really happened. So I, I like Russell Wilson and, you know, what could be a shootout. Like, they need him to get going a little bit just because that's all their points are going to come from him, potentially, because Rawls hasn't done anything of note. I, I, I know, but at the same time, I've been one of these guys that he's had these great matchups, Russell Wilson, over the past couple weeks to, to play in DFS, and I play the afternoon games all the time. So I've, I've like... It went my left. Okay, fine. I'll, I'm going to do one with Russell because everyone's. It's he kills me. He destroys my DFS. I'm never playing DFS <laughs> with him as my quarterback. I don't care. You know, he had the 49ers. Yeah, that didn't work out. Uh, you know, so no. You I, need. You need uh, he's Russell Wilson's better in face football when he's not getting laid. <laughs> he got married. He married a hottie. He's banging his face off all the time. He stinks now. <laughs> Is that how it works? Maybe. Yeah. I'll take it. So before that, hot take. Just, just hot take like, by D Rex. You gotta, you gotta be like a George Clooney. You just gotta never commit. Yeah, yeah there you go. He committed. <laughs> well, but late, late. You know, it, it, he ran, he ran the ponies for a while. Leo, Leo DiCaprio. He's the one who knows what he's done. Yeah, yeah. So over the last three games, though, Russell Wilson, eight touchdown passes. You know, one interception. So it was just the game against San Francisco where he didn't score that. You know, boned. Yeah, I guess Houdini. Uh, because other than that, 350 no, yards. You're is, making my hot take a lot warmer. What, what, it is, what it is is, and the ones that I play, he's not <laughs> one of the top five DFS quarterbacks. So he's not giving me the top end production, and I'm not getting uh, the value for the dollars I've spent on him in my DFS plays is what I'm saying. All right. Well, four touchdowns and 350 yards in Week 16 against Arizona ain't so bad. I didn't start him in that matchup because he's going against Arizona. <laughs> you All see, right. I've, I've chosen poorly, so maybe I'm saying I'm You're staying away. So maybe now you, this is like I'm the George Costanza of this one. I'm, 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 the, I'm the player that I hate. So whatever I say, people, go ahead and do the opposite. Sit down, <laughs> and I won't play him. All right. So you, when you like Russell Wilson, you also gotta like Doug Baldwin. Heavily involved, you know, all the time. We've seen. He ended up as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver in what was a crazy season for receivers, just down. Um, when you look at it, his number overall, you know, last season it would have finished as a wide receiver 19, his fantasy points scored. So. Well, I'm going to go into that. One of our late things in the end of the show is some trends that we saw and things to, that we kind of took away from this year. And that's, that's Doug Baldwin and some of those things that you're uh, hinting upon there are, are, are some of the things that I'm going to be pointing towards. Crazy, though. Remember three years ago on the podcast, for ages, with Doug Baldwin, the Matt Damon. He's turned into kind of a fantasy football stud. I thought he was going to have a good year, but he, had a, he, had, he really, really was able to redo it again. I thought it was kind of fluky, and those four games kind of just really tipped the needle for him. But heading into next year, Doug Baldwin's got to be he, – he's, he's a great, he's great uh, higher-end um, wide receiver guy. Absolutely. So might as well have a Valverde. Week on the slide. Week sauce. Are either of you uh, homosexuals? You mean like flaming or? Well, it's it's a standard question you have to ask. 
Now, we're not homosexual, but we are willing to learn. Yeah, would they send us someplace special? <laughs> <laughs> so with Baldwin, peaks and valleys type of player this season. Uh, he's had three games with over uh, 20 fantasy points this year, and then a lot of games with four, five, three, two. You know, so the peaks were definitely there. The consistency you want on a week-to-week basis wasn't. But he did end up with 94 receptions, and he got more targets than he ever has in his career. So I think he's more of a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one. He just had to end up being scored as a wide receiver one with the crazy year it was. But right now, the rest of the receivers, you know, Tyler Lockett's done for the year now. So they, they threw a lot to Paul Richardson last week. And all he did was run fast or run stops. So that's not a lot of variety in the route tree. And then Jermaine Curse, and we know he could do it in the playoffs for some reason because that dude sucks in the regular season and then somehow turns it on. So He's like Robert Horry or something. <laughs> oh, he really does. He, he always is a huge friggin' player, a huge touchdown when it matters in the playoffs. That guy is pretty clutch in that way. In that, that way. You know what? And, and here's the one thing that has always rang true in all the years you know, since I've started that league where we do our playoffs and the actual playoffs. It's never the top name guys that end up winning the weeks for for players. It's usually. These ancillary guys, uh, it, it's and sometimes it's the guy that's one of the guys that scores big is not even drafted by by a team, so you know never overlook like a Jermaine Curse or some of these other guys because it, Danny Amendola. Yeah, I, 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 there are just it's just you can just go back through all the games and you'll be surprised. Like I remember because when we were first doing it in the heyday of you got Peyton Manning, you got Marvin Harrison. I mean, I had a team with Peyton Manning, Martin Harrison, uh, Sean Alexander. Those three guys scored me like a combined total of 13 points. Yeah. So, you know, there's no telling. It's always, they, their defenses are better. They focus on your better players. Someone else has to step up. They're going to say, make that other guy beat me. And those are the guys that end up do scoring a lot. Jimmy Graham, you like him? He's our number one ranked uh, tight end this week. Uh, not it's, it's kind of a war of attrition, so I, I suppose, with the the teams that are in there right now. But uh, really, it truly is. Maybe Cooks and uh, Ladarius are, are really the only other guys worth my uh, and Fedorowitz. Uh But you, he's our number one guy for tight ends for uh, the, this uh, wild card round. Um, yeah. yeah, Jimmy Graham's the comeback player of the year in my book. Uh, you know, Jordy Nelson. He had a great season, but the injury that each of these guys came back from, I think Jimmy Graham's is worse. And he also did it in sort of a shorter amount of time yeah. to get back for week one. Mm-hmm. So my, my votes for Jimmy Graham, you know, but I don't have a vote, so who the fuck cares what I say? <laughs> I care, Stan. I care. I do. I didn't care. I care. Jimmy Graham's. That's kind of a good name for a Coke dealer. <laughs> I saw Keanu. Or, or I saw Keanu. Isn't that good? Oh my god! That's hilarious. I saw Keanu. I can't even believe it. The, the whole George Michael thing. I read before, and then he died. Oh yeah, my no, god! Crazy. Those guys must be like, sorry. Well, hopefully George Michael. Seen I've seen, seen it. I'm, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing where they're his favorite band, and the guy got a tattoo of, of, of George like, Michael. He's black, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
that movie was. By the way, I still have that one. Oh, saved yeah. for, I have that one saved for sound bites. Okay, so. nice. That one's gonna, that one's that movie is those guys peel and key or whatever. Peel, yeah, those guys are freaking hilarious. Um, anyway, we're good on that game. You good? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say for Jimmy Graham against Detroit. They're bad against tight ends, and he's the by far the best tight ends in this round of the playoffs. Because Kelsey's still around, you know. Isn't but, it funny the way you get some of these sound bites, these hot takes, as you call them? Carol this week saying, I, I screwed it up with Tate. Like, basically, we wanted him. It was it was poorly communicated. Like, And then you got Bennett saying that Zenner's the best white uh, running back. Like, they're, they're kind of like, they, they kind of comp. It's like the one franchise that's a badass franchise. They're a championship-level team year in and year out. But kind of going in, they lull you. They do the Jordan, like, Friendship on the court thing beforehand. Yeah, are talking about how great the, the 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 Lions are instead of usually like we hate them, screw them. So uh, I think that bodes pretty poorly for the Lions. And um, you do have that Tate revenge game that, that always matters. You know, you know I, I feel like take I your feel drive like... down Narrative Street. <laughs> Here's here well, but here, I, do back what you're saying about how they lull you in. I think I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I'm still in. Cruz, how about you? Maybe I should pull. Well, let me see. Let me see first. No, not with a hand like that. Come on. Dare me? Go on, bluff me. Come on. How much should I bet? If it were me, I bet everything. But that's me. I'm a aggressive gambler, Mr. Vegas. <laughs> For it. Yes, yes, there we go. I'm in. What do you got? Well, I got a full house. Three threes and two sixes. That's a full house. What have you got? Well, you have fours. We got an ace. You got an ace and an eight and a seven. Well, you lose, you see. If you would have had four fours, you would have won. <laughs> You're getting good at this, aren't you? You like it? Isn't this fun? You're pretty good for first time, really. Ox. Oh, that's good stuff. What a great movie. Tell them the movie. Stripes. Stripes, good one. Great one. Billy and uh, company. What are you drinking? We'll give the load out quickly. Uh, as you said, I'm taking it easy today. Yeah. So I'm drinking a little uh, Founders All Day IPA. Pyromaniac Moe's favorite brewery, Founders. That's where he met his wife. Uh, All Day is a nice session beer. I'm actually drinking uh, a good one out of San Diego I've had before. The Ballast Point Brewing Company, Sculpin. Indian Pale Ale, good stuff, tasty shape. The the music is uh, was is New Monsoon, so it's a uh, a funky band from uh, San Francisco, and opened up with uh, from the Cliffside, and we'll close with Keep On Pushing. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to the next game, let's keep the lights on. All right. The Dolphins at the Steelers. Good times all around. It's too bad that we don't know. It doesn't look like Tannehill's going to be playing, right? Are they? Barring an unforeseen miracle. Yeah, mom's the word, but how how is he going to do it? Yeah, I mean, they're going to need to beat the Steelers this week for him to have a chance next week. Uh, And that looks like a tough task because this game opened in a, what, seven-point spread and immediately jumped to ten in favor of the Steelers right off the bat. So you look at that and you're like, oh, well, that was a lot of quick money on the Steelers. <laughs> but usually that's, that's not a good sign. We'll see what the late line movement is, see if that changes anything. But that's when all the sharps will get everything in. So you're waiting. But <laughs> what did, Matt Moore, did he? Did they win last week? He was 2-0. Oh, no, they, 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 
England. So he's two and three. So all right. All right. Two uh, and three. Two and one. I mean. So uh, two and one in his three games played. The thing to me, if you're going to beat the Steelers with Matt Moore quarterback, you need to run. You're on the road. You need to run the ball. Look, Isaiah Crowell ran the ball against Pittsburgh's defense. Now, granted, they were holding some people back, but I'm going to tell you, look, Pittsburgh's defense has not been good against the run pretty much the entire season. Teams have been able to take advantage of that. Jay Ajayi uh, and, and this running attack, they've been behind the eight ball basically through the last four games of their season where, like, from week 13 on, it was like their schedule was horrible. So things could, this could be one of those things. Hey, things lighten up a little bit. You, you need to establish that run. Give him enough carries where it starts to make a difference. Don't let the, the, the game, if it gets away, if you're down 14, don't let that dictate that you go get away from the run. I think Adam Gase is smart enough in the way that he calls plays. One thing that we know here, you talked about here uh, in Chicago at the top of the podcast, where uh, the amount of uh, yards per carry that the Bears were getting, which was .8 more yards per carry than they averaged last year. Yet last year, I think they carried the ball almost like 100 more times. So, you know, Adam Gase is not going to forget about the running game, is what I'm saying. So that's Let's hope not. the and they're going to need that. The defense just has to keep it keep it close. Well, if they're in the game, here's a great stat for on the season for the Dolphins. If they're in the game and it's close and they can use that running attack and not be behind and have to toss it up. Uh, in the second half of uh, one score games, Dolphins uh, JHI averaged uh, six point seven yards per carry. And that's pretty impressive. That guy was busting some nicely, uh, some nice long runs. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we know what he. We, we agreed that he had three two hundred yard games this season. Yes. Three two hundred yard games. So two against the Bills. Two against yeah. Two against the Bills. One against the Steelers. Tweedledee and Tweedledum no longer working for the Bills. So we'll see. Let's see if he can get. Let's see if he can do two, four two hundred yard games. Two against the Bills and two against the Steelers. That'd be awesome. Could yeah. Have. Yeah. So. Looking at JGI, they're going to have to run the game because if they try to pass, that's where the Steelers have you know, shown a lot of strength this year. They're shutting down opposing wide receivers, and they're sort of doing the opposite against opposing running backs. They've been run over pretty much all season. We, we said that JGI had a 200-yard game against them. Ezekiel Elliott had uh, you know, 114 yards and two touchdowns, but also added 95 yards receiving in a touchdown for a huge fantasy day. But people have just had big fantasy days against them, and while the yardage... Besides, like, Ajayi hasn't been huge. They're actually in the bottom 10 in rush yards allowed to running backs. They also do give up a ton of receiving yards to that position. Now, if that's a way they try to get Ajayi involved, it'll be something different. But they haven't done that to this point. Let's see if it was something, you know, Adam Gase was saving or if it's just not something they're comfortable with him doing. So the thing with Ajayi is you look at his rushing numbers and they're spectacular. The rest of the numbers just aren't there. For that top tier sort but, of running back next year. No, no, I, oh, I agree with that 100%. But at least in this matchup, he should have good opportunities running the ball. You're still going to use Damian Williams as that as that pass catching receiver uh, out of the backfield because that's what he's really good at. Well, so you're you're kind of alluding to it a little foreshadowing. Right? You're you don't you don't buy into the fact that he's going to stay healthy. Three down back. I mean, I've seen him be a three down back, but they don't seem interested. And letting him be the 33 down back. Like, his college tape catching the ball is amazing. 
the things he's able to do, you know, after the catch. So I, I really look forward to seeing if they let this happen. And especially in this game, you got to ride your studs. And Damian Williams has shown some good things, but I think the more a JHI touches the ball in this matchup, the better for them. Also, you get Big Ben at home. So you have to keep the ball out of this guy's hands. Because when he is at home, he is a flat-out fucking monster for some reason. I don't get how he's this good at home. But you got to keep the ball out of this guy's hands. So that means riding a Jai. You know, the quick screens to Jarvis Landry. But if you're looking at the other two wide receivers, you know, Kenny Stills, who you know continually seems to make one big play a game. Uh, Nine touchdowns on the season. Yeah. A lot of them really long. Yeah, it, it, it would be a lot of them would be his only catch on the week. Yeah, exactly. One catch, fifty-two yards, touchdown. Yeah. One, two catches, True. forty-two yards, one for a thirty-five-yard touchdown. Yeah, it's it's insane. You remember his, fre- his freshman year, his rookie season with the uh, with Saints, New Orleans, and yeah. he, he we thought Breeze was making him, but he's just got that explosive. He's he's that he's that take the top off. Kind yeah. of. He's a one-trick pony though. He's, he's not a guy that's ever going to run across the middle. For sure, we'll see. But. Yeah. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is there to do that for him. Yeah, well, maybe not next year because he's a free agent now, so we'll see where he ends up. He could go, you know, run into another team looking for a payday. You know, he could end up with Chicago if they let go of Alshon Jeffrey for a one-trick pony, or, you know, who knows where he ends up. Maybe he's the cheaper Deshaun Jackson replacement in Washington. But let's let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. (laughs) Real back in. So this week, you know, Matt Moore... When you're talking about these backup quarterbacks, he's the one I'm most likely to start, though. I don't care if it's you know against the tough Steelers pass defense. I just believe in him so much more. His ability. You believe more and more. Yeah, I believe more and more. <laughs> I believe in his ability to say fuck it and chuck it. He's got that ability to go downfield and. Well, the thing he's is, a gunslinger, and you like that. The difference is that as opposed to like a guy like Connor Cook. Who is playing in his first game in the postseason? I don't know. Has Matt Moore ever played in the postseason before? Whether he has or he hasn't, he has a wealth of experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL, and that at least is not going to let him to be situationally uh, overcapacitated in making decisions. You know when he's out there, so it's not like all of a sudden he's going to freak out. And, and, and just do the rollout. What are you doing? Drifting backward off the back foot and just try to throw a ball up like Jameis Winston did in their in their game that ended up being an incomplete pass to Mike Evans, but it was a, a ball that should never have been thrown. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you there. The thing is, all they do now in Pittsburgh is they seem to run cover two. Tampa two, you know, real basic defensive formations. And this is a team that used to be one of the most exotic blitzers in the league. Occasionally they'll bring pressure. So they're going to I doubt they're going to throw out too much in, you know, the style of non-vanilla defense. I think it'll be pretty vanilla, which could be good for Matt Moore, uh, especially attacking it down the sidelines vertically for maybe a Devontae Parker or a Kenny Stills. That's one of the or, best holes to hit that. Or what you do in a cover two is that you just keep hitting the underneath routes. And yep. you just keep you just dink and dunk all your way down the field, and then they, they're playing you to, to tighten up inside the 20-yard line. The Bears did that famously for, for 10 years under Lovey Smith. Yeah, let's go over to the Steelers side of the ball quickly. Uh, we can run through that one quickly. Hopefully, we know play uh, the killer bees. Yeah, the best just, plays of the week. Like it's hard not to like all these guys. Le'Veon Bell is a big home favorite. 
you know, we talk about Roethlisberger at home versus on the road. He averages 15 fantasy points at uh, are on the road and 33 at home. So that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty good. His pass attempts go up. His touchdown rate skyrockets. Everything you look at with Ben Roethlisberger at home is big. And along with that, he sort of carries Antonio Brown with it. And he has huge games at home, too. So those guys are all huge, huge plays. Everybody's going to try to jam the three of them in their DFS lineups. So you're going to have to differentiate in, in different ways. You're going to have to leave one of those you know, guys out if you want to win a, a GPP this week. Uh, the guy that I would leave off, as crazy as it sounds, is, is Antonio Brown. You know, to me, he's been the most inconsistent of the, of those of those players because, uh, for whatever reason, and, and that's why the must play is Le'Veon Bell. You know, you talk about a guy not necessarily getting that other those other touches, he gets out every touch. So, with that wealth of of, of uh, experience and touches that he's going to get, and look at the fact that I think that they're going to be running them out of out of this game by the into the third quarter, which means that they're just going to be going to Bell, whether it's in little dump-off screens or it's going to be just run, run, run. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing warm weather Miami holding on in this one. <laughs> but along with that, if you're going to play Bell, that means you have a negative correlation to a Jai. And they're probably the two best running back plays of the weekend, so it's hard to play them together in the same lineup because you know when one running back is doing well, it really hurts <laughs> the other running backs' no. potential opportunities. 100%. Back to all the, the, the playoffs that we do, I hardly ever remember being, ever being a game where both running backs on opposing teams had great games. You're 100% right. It's usually going to be one, and the other one's going to be like, going to give you nothing. Maybe maybe one game back in, in the 90s when it was like Tiki Barber uh, doing some receiving-type yards that gave like a, a great game, but it was like someone else on the other side that was dominating. Gore, could have been Frank Gore back in the day dominating him. Frank Gore, 1,000-yard season. Good job, Good Frank. Good job, buddy. Frank Gore, top 12 running back. Crazy. <laughs> uh, quick question on Twitter question that we got from that Dynasty guy. Uh, just kind of allude to it uh, the other day. Um, he, had, he had David Johnson for three years. Le'Veon Bell for one year, and he was looking to trade for either a uh, Mike Evans or a, a OBJ. Um, what did you think about? What do you think about that one? Would you trade a Le'Veon Bell with one year remaining in Dynasty? For- a, I had no idea what the other deals were. So unless they were longer term deals, I'm keeping both Bell and Johnson. Really? That's a surprise to me. For me, if I get to keep I Mike Evans, portfolio. If I get to keep, was it, if it was a trade just Bell. He's basically like, I could trade Johnson, and i got three years left on him, which no, I would keep him. you got to keep you him. Get, or Bell with one year. I would and trade Bell. Trying, and it wasn't like a lock. It was something he was going to probably throw out there. Uh, but he was going to try and throw out and either get a OBJ or a Mike Evans. Yeah, yeah, unless I'm getting extra years, which he didn't specify. I'm not trading right. Bell. Like, I don't want just one year for one year. No, no, no. I'd rather I, I, I have Bell. You. I agree with you. I agree with you. But, yeah, but if I'm getting that. extra years, then that's where it changes everything. Yeah, but even still, if I'm getting two years of Mike Evans, I'd still say, and throw me a sweetener. Yeah, you got to throw because, me a Because, because Le'Veon Bell is that good for that one year means could mean so much. That's from uh, Camiola1. 
Chris. Uh, so if you're listening to the show, that's what we have. Maybe we'll reach back out to you and find out what the years were on the other guys. Just something I, I thought about as we were talking about Bell. Uh, can we move on? No, we got to talk about the other pieces of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go for it. Me and Houdini will shut up for a minute. I, I doubt it. <laughs> so Having a good time. Eli Rogers is going to Eli Rogers is going to be a very, you know, uh, chalky type of play at a low price. So, <laughs> all right. Well, this is really helping me talk, boys. All right, well, here, here, here you go. Be quiet. Yes, you speak some English. Son of a bitch. Shit. Son of a bitch. Go. We'll shut up. Yeah. Close your eyes. <laughs> Eli Rogers. <laughs> All right, Eli Rogers is at a cheap price. He's going to be a, a guy, if you're trying to play all the, you know, Bell Browns of the world, you're going to need to get one of those cheap guys. Eli Rogers is going to be one of the higher-owned sort of cheap guys as he's got, you know, an ability to do different things. He's been seeing consistent targets over the last couple of weeks when uh, Big Ben's been in there. Their, their slot coverage is, you know, awful to say good things about it. And you look at all the rest of their players, you know, Sammy Coates really hasn't done anything. Kobe Hamilton came down with the big touchdown last week. And then you look at made, Darius. That made Mo real happy. Yeah, well, Darius Green, I played him too, so it, it was crazy. But, well, Darius Green is also still on concussion protocol, so they're not sure if he's going to play or not. And that leaves maybe Jesse James there, but we've seen the other tight ends sort of steal touchdowns from Jesse James anyways between what? David Johnson, other David Johnson, and Xavier Grimble, and other guys I probably can't even name. They seem to just try to get a Grimble out of that guy. Grimble, Grimble, Grimble. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of a lot of players that they play yeah. and, and actually uh, make 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 some plays and get some catches. Interesting. You good on the Steelers? So so let, 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 oh, let, Darius Hayward Bay was back last week. Really, and he was heavily targeted, and, and he could just be the secondary receiver if you want to pivot off of an Eli Rogers. Well, he may be the guy. That's the, the the one that becomes the sneaky play because he'll be owned probably in about twenty five percent less leagues or or more than Eli Rogers. So that could be where even smart money is, like uh, for a differentiator. But I wanted to ask you with Ben Roethlisberger, as far as the quarterbacks this week, is he your number one or number two? I mean, are you, is it just de facto it's got to be Aaron Rodgers or? Is Ben Roethlisberger another home beast uh, against a... I have Aaron Rodgers as my favorite, or as the number one, just because, you know, in DFS, I haven't looked exactly at their pricing. I don't remember who's more expensive. But just in rankings-wise, I've got Aaron Rodgers first because I know that in most likely outputs, he is accounting for 100% of the Green Bay scores, while... You know, Le'Veon Bell could rush two in and then, you know, sort of screw over Roethlisberger's overall scoring potential. That's a great point. Well, the one guy that I like and that I would take a flyer on myself is in the next game, and it's not Aaron. But before we get there, I want to do a quick pyro promo and give a couple shout-outs to some of our pyro fans. Um, give a shout-out to uh, Carlton Cook, a uh, guy that follows us on Facebook, and I know he listens to Moe's. Pyro Light, and he listens, I hope, to this uh, show as well. But um, 
Tonight I'm drinking uh, that Sculpin, like I said, so no Aqua Verdes for me, but Carlton Cook is a uh, Pyro fan and a, uh, an avid listener to our podcast, so shout out to you, Happy New Year, thanks a lot, brother, for uh, following us, and I hope you uh, had found success uh, in some of your leagues in 2016, so here's to you, buddy, we appreciate it. And another shout out to Tony Ralston, another one of our Pyro brothers, um, living in Denver and uh, gave us uh, some nice me direct messages on Facebook. If you're not already following us there, please do so. But um, he's had a lot of success over the course of the year. I mean, did you see some of the money he had in that account? Uh, his, his account is looking pretty stacked. Uh, and he, he's, he's given us a lot of credit for, from our fantasy do's and don'ts and a lot of the advice we give him uh, via the second opinions and whatnot. So, uh, Ralston's been a uh, been one of our guys for a long time, so we're psyched that uh, our advice is giving making you money, and uh, we appreciate you as a pyro. So here's to you, hats off, happy new year, my man. Um, fire it up one day soon. Uh, we'll have a Valverde out in uh, out in the uh, either Denver or maybe on a on a mountain apre ski style. It's the stories that you tell. So much fun and imagination. Lee Harvey. You are a madman. When you stole that cow and your friend trying to make it with the cow, <laughs> I want to party with you, cowboy. <laughs> if the two of us together, forget it. <laughs> that's it, dude. Awesome. All right, that's it. Let's uh, go on to the Giants and Packers. Sneaky play for me and DFS would be Eli this week. I don't know. Something just tells me. Everyone's talking about the Packers. They're all no. Sick. They're all talking about the party. Yeah, they're talking <laughs> about the party. I wanted to be at that party. <laughs> Jesus, passing around drugs, drugs like they're candy. Yeah, like, I'm down for this. <laughs> yeah, that's every party I'm at. It's just, uh, not on a boat and a lot of uh, yeah. Let's hose, move on. boats and hose. Uh, first, I thought it was that it was Sterling Shepard with the joint, and I was with my nephews earlier today, and I was like, dude, is this Sterling Shepard gonna get in trouble for that joint? He's like, no, that's Trey Songs. I'm like. Who the fuck's Trey Songs? They're like, you're old. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I Thank thought you. that was Sterling Shepard. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, what else? Can I get some more Hoppa Popple? So Eli Rogers, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a good play. I like him more than Stafford. Uh, I like him more. You know, I don't like him more than Russell Wilson, but I think he's the fourth quarterback on the week. But a lot of people have Stafford over him, so I think it's interesting. To go with, you know, an Eli, I think he'll be one of the lower, like, of the big four, I think there's, or of the big five, and not the three back of quarterbacks. I think Eli Manning might have the lowest ownership. So that's an interesting GPP and, play. And I think he's probably got the second highest, maybe third. He's got an explosion factor to him. There isn't reliance on his own arm so much as, obviously, uh, you know, Beckham, but... Yeah, and the Packers don't have a good uh, yeah. defense against against the Pats. That's gonna be a shootout. I mean, so and if you expect the Packers to win, then you expect the Giants to be playing from behind. You expect them to, and you're not gonna. I don't expect a ton out of Rashad Jennings and, and the running game and Paul Perkins, but I like Paul Perkins as a potential guy that can help Eli Manning with a little dump off and, and use some electric flash with the, the, that guy. Hey. You might get some extra extra bump there. And he might have one of those fourth quarter garbage touchdown with 100 yards thrown that just puts you over the top. So, yeah, you look at Eli's numbers on the season, man. They so just, bad. Oh, they were just not good. Don't look at them. 
that is not, but now now comes Eli time where he could just potentially turn it on for the playoffs. He just sort of blocks everybody else out. He has that dumbfounded look on his fucking face, and he just throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns. You're like, okay, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Have you guys seen? You guys saw someone photoshopped him, and maybe he did it himself to that boat party that we were referring to. Yeah. You seen that one? Eli Manning's boat photoshopped him. Let's just. Other than that, that's funny. It's a good meme. Whatever. This is the Iron Man of the league. One of the Iron Men of all time of the league. That guy's body is my body. I've got a da- he's got a dad body. How is this the Iron Man of the league looking like that? I mean, literally, he's not in shape, not fit, kind of has a beer belly. I mean, he was the same way. What? How is this guy the guy that cannot get injured and has not missed the game? You can't pull muscles you don't have. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. God bless him. Oh, look, remember, remember what Tom Brady looked like? The the picture of him. That's uh, what he still looks like. Yeah. Brady, Brady now is doing yoga. He's got a chef. He's doing everything. Fucking oh, Eli's like, don't care. What up? Those cough liquors ready? Two, two championships. You got, you got more beignets coming for me. <laughs> exactly. Mel Brady. Next. The name's Francis Sawyer. But everybody calls me Psycho. Any of you guys call me Francis, and I'll kill you. Ooh. <laughs> you just made the list, buddy. And I don't like nobody touching my stuff. So just keep your meat hooks off. If I catch any of you guys in my stuff, I'll kill you. <laughs> also, I don't like nobody touching me. Now, any of you homos... Touch me, and I'll kill you. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else we got here? Let's go. Uh, let's go, Stags. Do some fantasy football. Me and Houdini are in New Year's mode. Hey, we're, we're, it's postseason. Dollar, baby. Dollar, dollar. It's more. It's Stags more, like reeling it, reeling it. No, let's reel, let's reel it out. out. <laughs> let's cast away. Go. Wilson. Wilson. Stack party, go for it. So, now we have to talk about every single player on the Giants, because we really haven't done any of that yet. Do it. Hey, uh, go we for it. We have time. We're only one hour into our three-hour normal podcast. I agree. And we got a lot of good part two just, stuff. We don't want to... just fucking with you guys. We're trying, we're, trying to get, we're trying to get you excited. All right. So, I'm not really excited about very many Giants, and that's part of my problem. The problem is the two teams you're excited about most in the postseason in this round is the Steelers and the Packers. And everybody's going to play them, so you have to figure out different ways uh, of building lineups in order to win you know, a GPP in short slates. Uh, and, and it's a little bit tougher because you've got to play some of the best plays in order to make it happen. It's like hard. How do you fade Le'Veon Bell when there's no other running back who can potentially score 30 fantasy points? Uh, on the docket, it's it's like impossible to do. So that's one interesting aspect of a four-game weekend mm-hmm. to get through. Uh, and we're looking at all the great plays, and the Giants have some. Odell's one of the, probably the best plays of the weekend. That's what I would want to uh, Looking at what the Packers have given up to opposing wide receivers over the last couple weeks. Demarius Randall, since returning from his injury, has just been toasted by everybody. Uh, I think he's allowing a 
80% completion rate with four touchdowns and no interceptions. Quentin Rollins is also getting beat up. So you're looking at Odell, and he's a great option, and you could potentially play him over a Brown uh, because he'll probably be less owned than Antonio because they're big favorites and things along those lines. So I like Odell, and I like Sterling Shepard. He just scores touchdowns. The question is, can he get back to that 100-yard mark? Or can he get back to having seven catches for 80 yards uh, that he hasn't really done since early portions of the season? And you know that it's probably going to funnel through those two guys with the rest of it, you know, a couple passes hill in there to Will Ty, you know, maybe a couple to one of the other tight ends, and then a couple to the running backs, whether it's Rashad Jennings or Paul Perkins. So I like a, I like a Perkins as a as a as a, a DFS explosion. Could if he goes off, he's a, he's a he's a winner for you, um, and he's a, a lower radar kind of guy under the. He's not he's a guy that's going to be on less lineups, but uh, but he, he could shit the bed and do nothing. But, but he's also been getting got to go all in because he only got four games. Yeah, yeah. got to give it like it's everything other than got yeah. only one game all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's been getting more work. Toward the end, but I want to go back to what Stags was saying about OBJ and Sterling Shepard. To me, if I'm playing those guys, that's fine, but I'm not playing them together on the same lineup. You know, I, I want to pick one or the other. Either I'm choosing to go with Shepard as more of a, a, a lower end uh, steal, or I'm going to bank on the high end with, with uh, Odell and and then I'm going to maybe take a chance on Perkins but I just don't want to, I really don't want to be any other part of that, I want to pick one guy out of there, I'd love to you know, and then and then you're going to I'll cherry pick with the other four I definitely want to probably start Jordy Nelson just because of, of uh, what he can do and then, and then the guy who's always reasonably priced is Devontae Adams but we'll get to the package that's yeah. That's crazy with uh, that side of stuff. You can go. I got nothing to say about the Giants any more than than we did. No, it's basically Paul Perkins' uh, talk because, dude, did they really just start taking it easy on Rashad Jennings last week, or did they have a little changing of the guard uh, last week? And it's more of Paul Perkins' job now. We're going to see him on the field more because I still think they're going to use Jennings, you know, a considerable amount. Uh, the question is, is if he's still primed as the starter or if Paul Perkins having the first 100-yard rushing day of the season did anything to change it. Because that matters a lot. Because he could be locked in for an even bigger workload if something actually changed. But I think if you're smart, you still start Jennings. Don't put the pressure on the kid to make him have to come out there and be the starter. Uh, start. <laughs> but, but I think then they already say that Perkins is a starter. I thought I read that. No, I, I have no idea. I have, it I, doesn't matter. Well, it I really it, but it's one of those things where I, I, I'm, you know, it, it's just sometimes you see young players and you're on the road, and then all of a sudden, it's within the first or second carry, it's a fumble or it's just some stupid play, and then and then yeah, and then it's it a playoffs. That's a good point. Start yeah, the start and let the game kind of get under the way. Everyone's got to feel. Then bring the kid in. Fair enough. And let him see what he can do. I test. Jennings is just brutal. He's, he's done. He, he he's never, br- he, he's, when did he ever brutal. have it? He, 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 he's had it in moments. Even even he's had a couple of or a handful of great plays this year where you're like, whoa, that's Jennings. But yeah, when he's when he's ever had it over the course of the season, go back never. to when he was when he was on Jacksonville. Did he ever really do anything there that made you say, 
Give this guy a chance somewhere else. He's gonna be. He's gonna be something. Raiders. He he had some moments. He had some flashes, and he's had a couple flashes. I agree with you. That's why I like Perkins, and I think there is a change of guard there. But what you're what you mentioned is the kind of thing that I don't think about. Like, yeah, Perkins is going. He's going up, and then he fumbles, and you lose the playoff game. It's like fuck. Why didn't we just have Jennings and go slow and steady? Yeah, give Jennings a series, let him let him struggle, and then bring Perkins in where he knows that, hey, I can do better than that, and um, now he's, he's in a better spot. Let's go over to the Packers side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers, um, obviously good times for that Is guy. Is he your MVP? No. Okay. No. Is not he your MVP? Not, not, not unless Munn dumps him. No, <laughs> he's not my MVP. Okay. Who Is he got? yours? No. I'm not that right. You're Matt Ryan? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Zeke. I'm going with that guy. I, I mean, I'm going to go with the guy that that deserves it. That was on a losing team, but I'm going to go with David Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he's a beast. I, this I, is real NFL MVP or fantasy. I, I'm going. I'm going fantasy. I, 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 I could make the argument for real NFL okay. MVP too. Yeah, I mean, as I think far I as what he well. meant to that offense and and you know what right. they, what they didn't do. Matt Ryan's going to win it. I don't know. I think, I think I, it's a tight three-man race between Ryan, Brady, and sort of uh, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Yeah, I agree. Rodgers, uh, pretty pretty insane. Had his second 40-touchdown uh, season um, of his career. Basically, uh, the only other... that. What's that? Think about that. When we talk about the you know the Brady and the Mannings with the 50 touchdowns, as great as Rodgers has been, only the second 40 touchdown uh, of his career. No, hold on. You got to think about it. You got to listen to this. He's basically only uh, only three players before him have done it twice. It's hard to get to forty. It feels like with these inflated numbers, Brady Brady only has got forty touchdowns in that one forty nine season. Yeah, it's two it's and a half hard. per game. It's not easy. It's it's hard. Wow. He's only he's one of only three other. The only other guys that have done uh, forty twice are Peyton, Marino, and Breeze. Wow, and Manning. Sorry, and Manning. And Manning. Okay. Uh, So it's 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 actually we in this in the when you get to fifty two and you get to forty nine, you kind of think forty is easy, but it's really it's really not. So I was I'm super impressed by that. I'm impressed enough to say because Valverde. I gotta get in shape. I gotta dry out, or I'll be dead before I'm thirty. The army's my only chance. It's on the monastery. Did you ever see a monk get wildly fucked by some teenage girls? Never. So much for the monastery. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I need that sound bite. That's gonna be my mantra for this uh, for 2017. <laughs> I rode yesterday and I ran today. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right. Back to back. Haven't done a back to back workout in about two or three years, so we're getting somewhere. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's going to be at the gym, hopefully, not just for the first week. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and his just ridiculous seasons. And he's just the model of consistency. There's nothing you can say against the guy uh, except for that. You know, little spurt he had at the beginning of the season where he wasn't lighting it up, and he was more average than godlike. And then ever since, he's been godlike. But even during that stretch in which he's been godlike since week 11, Matt Ryan's been better over that same stretch. 
it's just insane to look at the numbers um, these two guys have put up in sort of a battle to be the number one QB and the NFL MVP. So, but, a quick quick point about that though, it's also because uh, Matt Ryan has to on a weekly basis. Both both of these guys have bad defenses. Let's let's be honest. But uh, the Falcons have a worse defense, and and the reason is is also that the Falcons are score fast. <laughs> you know that's that's. They take a lot of shots, and, they, and, and they've hit a lot of deep shots. Well, he averaged, what, 9.3 yards per attempt? Uh, Just wow. a gigantic number this season, Matt Ryan did. The mo- that's the most uh, uh, so far in, in, in th- this century. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, usually you think 9.3 yards per completion or something per attempt. The numbers he's got are, are, are gaudy. I wish he had gotten a 5,000. I wish he would. He's at 39 touchdowns. So he's one less. I wish he would have gotten to that 40 mark, and I wish he would have gotten to the 5,000 mark. He's at 38, but yeah. It was 38? Okay, I thought he was at 39. Uh, which, is wish, even, which is even crazy. But I wish he was like, he was like 40 yards away from like... 56. Know, 50, 56 yards away from getting five. If he had done those two things, it was Maybe. over. MVP. Maybe. Yeah, MVP. True, you're right. But, but the one thing that also is ridiculous is that his passer rating of 11, uh, 117 is the fifth highest in NFL history. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'll, I will I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna jump my ship. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you with that right here. Because, He's it. Well, no, because here's the other thing: where Aaron Rodgers, you can't say that he was vultured by anybody on his team. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you can say uh, yes, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman stole away a ton of your touchdowns through through their running touchdowns. You know, case in point was that Devonta Freeman's 75-yard touchdown run last week. That was both, a, those, both, yeah. those, both those that players have made some of the most insane plays. <laughs> so here's here's a question. Can this team win the Super Bowl? I like them a lot. I really do. And I think their defense is better than you give them credit for. It's, but it's not good. It, it's, it's, not, got, it's got a what, lot of what, holes. They, what they do is they give up yards and stuff, but they, they tighten in the red zone, and then they can get those sort of game-changing turnovers, which is what really matters in the playoffs. Uh, especially when there's not very many good defenses left in the playoffs. Well, but here's the thing: can what was your question? Can they what? Can they win? Can they win it all? This can year? they win it all? Okay, I think they can get there. I can I can make I can make a definite argument for the case for them to get there. Uh, you know, the problem will be who is it, who's got the number three seed? Is it is it uh, is it C- Seattle? Seattle? So. So actually, it would be Seattle that they would have to face next if, if all things went, uh, if Seattle wins. That's who they would face, yeah. if, based on a reseeding. It's, I think they have a good enough chance to be able to go into Dallas and beat Dallas with uh, the, the, the rookies that, that they got there. It could be one of those type of games. I, I can definitely make a path. They're both scoring. Coming out into the, into the Super Bowl, you know what? It's, it's that anyone, it, you can, because... I don't see that dominant team. The team that you don't want to see is New England. Can you believe New England's two to one favorite to win the Super Bowl? Right? And why not? After everything just fell their way now. That's got to be the lowest number. That the lowest or highest. I don't know which which way you would vernacular wise say it. That's got to be the lowest ever at the start of the playoffs. It's pretty crazy. Two well, to what one. What was it when? Uh, well, what was it for them when they were undefeated that year? What were their odds? Probably that. And they lost it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's Gi- reel it in. Let's reel it in. I got a big one. And the Giants were also in that playoffs. 
upset the Packers that everyone in New England goes oh. I like I like the Giants in that game because I'm a believer of swings and all that stuff when the press is like everyone it's a can't miss no one in the world is saying that the Packers are going to lose this first round they're now far thinks he's going to the Super Bowl it's all it's like it's already they've already moved on to the second round whenever that happens Especially with this team, the only team that's beaten the um, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys twice. There's something about it. It's just like, like okay, we're fine. We're here. And they've been just as good like, as the Packers like the the stretch. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the Packers going up against this tough defense. Because Packers' run game or lack thereof. You what, know, what run game? It's even, you know, Ty Montgomery just hasn't been getting opportunities again. And it's been a little bit asinine, but what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, Christy Michael's getting a little bit. James Starks, you know, might have a concussion or they might just not want to play the guy. So we'll see how that turns out uh, as we get closer to the weekend. But even if you're looking for the, snack, the run game, you've got to be scared in general because of what? Damon Harrison snacks. He's just been eating people alive all season. I think he's got, what, 90 tackles from the defensive tackle position where all he's supposed to be doing is being a space eater. He's been destroying opposing run games all season. And there's a – I think there was – 90 tackles – I just want to put this into perspective, right? Because usually if you probably pull up the top 10 tackles at the – at uh, even just defensive linemen, so you can even – uh, account for for the guys that are not playing on the inside. Usually, they're, the the best guys are finishing the year with about sixty, fifty five, even fifty tackles is a good year. So, ninety is just it's it's beyond staggering. Yeah, they had them with a crazy crazy number of you know total tackles. So we'll see. Uh, how many how many do they have with? Uh, uh, you had, I thought you had the stat. I'm sorry. No, sorry. My bad. That's all right. My bad. I thought you had it pulled out. So. Uh, I like the use of the word staggering when we got eight, stag party in the mix. Maybe? So we're going we're gonna to use that word to um, 86 describe is, that's, you. That's, that's insane. Yeah, so get, that guy's just been shutting down run games by himself all season long. Uh, you know. We'll see if they're able to get anything back from uh, JPP, if he's able to make it back at all this postseason. And if so, we've already seen Janoris Jenkins return last week from his Thursday night missing injury. So this defense looks to be close to full strength, and they've got a deep, diverse secondary, and they what they do is they bring the fucking pressure. They Their most run coverage is zero coverage, so they play man up on all the receivers, and then the rest of the dudes are coming at you. So expect some blitzing at Aaron Rodgers. He's either going to need to get rid of the ball quick, which he doesn't like to do, or extend plays, which we've seen him be able to do. Yeah, but at the same time, too, he's Aaron Rodgers has been a guy that's been getting banged up and has been kind of kind of gimpy out there. And But one thing that he will do is recognize a blitz coming at him. And so he may not like to get rid of the ball quickly, but it, you know, we have seen, you know, I've seen enough just being a Bear fan that he, if you blitz, you have to get in there Von Miller quick. Because if you don't, he's going to make you pay. 
because he's able to do quicker scans of the field than most quarterbacks, and he knows where his hot read is, and he, can, and he trusts it, and he puts the ball in the right in the right spot. So, was I, anyone else just sick of um, Al Michaels and Collinsworth just blowing the nutsack off of Rodgers on that game the other night? I just couldn't watch it after a while, and he. He's amazing, Rodgers. And the stuff he's been doing over the last few weeks, the, the way that he's been Houdini-esque when that pocket collapses and he either wings it and makes an amazing play or runs it. He looks like Russell Wilson did two years ago. The guy is just on fire. But Collinsworth and now Mike, it was like it was like a three-hour love fest on Aaron Rodgers. It's like, you just made right. me happy. I did not hear it because... Uh, the wife wanted to watch something, and I, so I had the second TV out. So, so lucky! I have the TV on, on the second TV on mute, and we're watching like some other show, and I'm able to watch the game as it's going on. So no, I did not have to listen to the to the the blowjob thing. I stopped and I turned on Sausage Party just because I invented <laughs> it instead. But if I same thing, right? If I didn't have Sausage Party, I would have just put it on mute and thrown on the verb. <laughs> Simple as that. How was Sausage Party? I mean, it is. Have you seen that one? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Weed. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll, it'll be it'll be a good time. Crazy, crazy I, stuff. It was funny because I, I just know that I, I saw like the um, first well, right uh, preview, which didn't make sense. It made it seem like a sex thing, and then the, the second one where it's like when they realize that they're they're food. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. The whole thing is just, it's absurd, right. which is perfect. Look forward to it. Are we good? Are we out of this? You got anything so, else? Let's talk about the receivers and Jared Cook Cook's, real quick. He's, he's uh, Jared Cook's an interesting play here. Concussion, again. right? Or is he good? I think he's good. Okay. Uh, Jared Cook's an interesting play here. Uh, go, <laughs> yeah, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> Not concussed, just crazy. <laughs> you know, all these guys. Jared Cook's a good play just because of what the Giants can do it, experience, so. on the perimeter. They can lock up the, those secondary players and lock up the receivers. And we saw that they had a tough game uh, against you know Randall Cobb the last time these two teams played. And we don't know how healthy Cobb's going to be. Expect they expect to have him out there. Last time these two teams played earlier in the season, Randall Cobb caught nine passes for 108 yards. Uh, Adams had 85 yards in a TD. Uh, Jordy Nelson had 38 yards on four catches in a TD. Uh, so it was interesting at the time. You know what was it, week four that these two teams played? So. But what wouldn't you say at this point with that Geronimo Allison or whatever? Or <laughs> Geronimo Allison just isn't good. He had a good week last week. He's not good. Dude, he's had a, he's had a few good weeks, and I don't know. He's is, not is, good. Is, is, is Cobb good? No, I see that. Healthy Cobb is good. Is Cobb good? I don't think Cobb's good. I think a healthy Cobb, a younger Cobb is good. I'm just saying at this point, I think it's all kind of caught up to him. That's why this Allison guy seems like he's got the momentum more than even if Cobb comes back. I, 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 I like I like what I've seen out of Allison a lot more. But this is also why Devontae Adams is, is always still the best DFS play. Because Randall Cobb is still, for whatever reason, is always going to go up there at a higher price. And the one thing that Devontae Adams does on a more regular basis than Randall Cobb is score touchdowns. Oh, my God. You, you know, he, was, he was third in touchdowns. Last week, you know, the two touchdowns last week, just that won me two DFS leagues last week. Yeah. So, uh, it's, and he's, he's dropped a, probably about four touchdowns. Yeah, season. but he, he he's, can, he's, he's one of those guys that can easily put up 20 points for you on, on FanDuel. So, yeah. uh, so, you just don't like Allison. I mean, I know he's on draft, but you just think he's not good. Toronto Allison is what? <laughs> 
Uh, undrafted. I love his pet Geronimo! Geronimo! He's got a sweet name. That's all. He, he went to Illinois. Yep. He never Remember. stood out at Illinois, and he was pretty much the only receiver there. Uh, four six five forty. You know, average size hands, not much speed. Body looks pretty good though. He's six three, two hundred pounds. He's just not. He's not a guy. He's, he's a jag who Aaron Rodgers may look good. I agree with that. My name's Dewey Oxberger. My friends call me Ox. You might have noticed that uh, I've got a slight weight problem. No. Yeah, I do. No. Yeah, yeah, I do. Right, I went to this doctor and. Well, he told me I, I swallowed a lot of aggression, along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> I'm basically a shy person. I'm a shy guy, and uh, he suggested taking one of these uh, aggression training courses. You know, these aggressive training courses like Est, those type of things. Anyway, it cost 400 bucks. Yeah, 400 bucks to join this thing. Well, I, I didn't have the money. I thought to myself, join the army. It's free. So I figured, while I'm here, I'll lose a few pounds. And you got, what, a six to eight week training program here? A real tough one? Which is perfect for me. I'm going to walk out of here a lean, mean fighting machine. (laughs) Geronimo! Geronimo! (laughs) Dewey Oxberger! Remember the Dewey Oxberger? Yeah. Named after that fella. Um, <laughs> good stuff. All right, anything else you got to say about, um, you want to go in on, on anything else with the uh, Packers? If not, no. we'll run it down. Should be exciting. Here's a quick question. We do this the year round. Who do you think wins these games? What are your calls? Ooh. And uh, I should probably write this down just so we can uh, keep tabs of it a bit. But I, You should have gotten an email from Fantasy Pros to do their pick contest. But I already did mine. I did so check that out. I'll check it out. I, I, I'll check it out. But I didn't. Maybe went to uh, Drake. But I'll check it out. Who who, who, do you, who do you got in these games? I've got the favorites. I've got the Texans, Seahawks, uh, Steelers, and Packers. I don't have anything too sexy. Uh, Mike, and that's all against the spread. I, I just think that these teams are in such better spots being at home. And when you look at the Raiders with no you know, starting quarterback, starting that rookie, it's going to be tough for them. The Lions and how they just match up against the Seahawks, I don't really like that. Um, the Dolphins, I, I think they should get boat raced. I don't think they're that good. Boat <laughs> What do you, what do you got? The Giants, we sort of already talked about that one. I think they've got the best chance of an upset. But I, I can't bet against Aaron Rodgers right now. Well, I I, I I really kind of agree with you that it's the, the home teams, but I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to pick a road team. Go. Um, you're saying the Giants. I'm saying the Raiders. Oh. And I'm saying I'll take – I'm going to take my chances because, again, the reason why I, I like the chances of the Raiders is the over-under at 36, knowing that it's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to – so all of a sudden it's going to run away from you. And I don't believe in that offense that we have seen out of Houston. And I think that there's just enough conniving and scheming out of Jack Del Rio uh, that that they're gonna they're gonna pull out a sneaky victory. And then they'll get throat. Then they'll get. Then they'll get. What'd you say? Uh, boat boat race. Boat they'll, race. Get, they'll, get, they'll get boat race next week. Well, <laughs> one of my good buddies once hooked up with a girl we called Boat Pants. And the reason why we called her that <laughs> yeah. is because. Uh, her pants must be made out of uh, uh, the uh, the sail of a boat. <laughs> they had to be that big. 
Would you stop picking your nose no, and wiping him on place? Seriously, like who's ever like I'm picking his nose, I'm flicking him around? It's like I live here for Christ's sake. I'm picking my nose and flicking like, around. It's like Dogman used to bite his nails and then for two hours roll like like that one that one uh, I'm like Lincoln you know commercial with you know what I am? roll of the, the bitten nails. I'm, I'm, I'm Ace Ventura. I'm Ace Ventura. I'm in the meeting when I I, uh, I got the, the the sunflower seeds and then they give me the uh, and she's like ashtray. No, I don't smoke. <laughs> disgusting, like disgusting, disgusting habit. All right, I'm doing. I'm gonna one up you guys. I'm going. I agree. I'm going Raiders because I don't give a fuck, and there's nothing online. I'm going Raiders, Seahawks, Steelers, Giants. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's go to the stag party. Start us off a little bit um, before we get there. Uh, let's do a little uh, advertising. Listen to our sponsors, but next we're gonna be talking about. Head coaching jobs and some of that action. Listen to this first. Thank you. All right, some vacancies happening around the league. Stags run for a little bit. I want to write down my my picks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the most interesting job to open up was the Denver Broncos. Gary Kubiak decided it was best for his health uh, if he took. You know, some time away and, and retire. It doesn't sound like he's interested in coaching again at any point at this time. But we'll see if that eventually changes. Uh, they've apparently got a couple different favorites. We'll see how it shakes out. But before we get to you know who expects to fill the job there, let's talk about some of the other teams. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, fired Gus Bradley a couple weeks ago. They're looking for a guy to work with Blake Bortles fix his mechanics and turn him into, you know, something. San Diego, they let go of Mike McCoy. They've got uh, major question marks with their franchise. Basically, are they going to be in San Diego? Are they going to be over in Los Angeles in the next year or two? Are they going to decide to up and move somewhere else completely? We have no idea, but uh, it's something that's going to sort itself out. The Rams, they fired Jeff Fisher we know they're in at Los Angeles. We'll we'll see what they're looking for, you know, as a new guy to take over for a Jared Goff led offense. San Francisco 49ers, they fired both Chip Kelly and the GM Trent Baalke, who probably should have been let go uh, a couple of years ago for that mess over Jim Harbaugh, but we won't get too deep into that uh, right this second. Uh, next job, Buffalo First Bills. team in like 30 or 40 years in the NFL to fire uh, their head coach after one season back-to-back. Oh, that's ridiculous. And the one of the last team that did it, it was like in the 60s, the 49ers. No, late 70s. One coach before they got... Uh, um, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh, my guy. But just Jed yeah. York... York I, you you know, can't I, fire the owner. You can't yeah. fire the owner. I own this team. I wish I wish they had a camera. Whoever that journalist <laughs> was was giving it to him. He was giving it to him. He's like, just he's like, nothing I say is gonna happen. If I was the owner, to be honest, I'd be like, but I Trump style, I'd be like, get this fucking guy out of here. He's not allowed <laughs> back at these things anymore. <laughs> so Buffalo also has a head coach opening after letting go of Rex Ryan. Uh, and that looks to be about. So we've got six openings in total. Is that correct? Did I miss anybody? Good uh, God. So if I'm ranking the jobs, the first job I want is the Denver Broncos. But it's, you guys want another job? Oh, uh, I want the Rams. You want the Rams? Oh uh, yeah, I want the Rams. 
Okay. Going in that new stadium in Southern California. You don't have to deal with horse mouth, wine drinking, uh, John Elway. Marijuana is legal in your state. Yeah, everything about everything about that whole deal. The Rams is a sick situation, and it's not as much pressure, I don't think, either. I, I think that the Broncos being one year removed off of the Super Bowl and uh, still having that D, yeah, you know, where you still have the pressure to come in and you better do it now. The Rams, you can come in and you can basically just be like, all right, the regime before here didn't know what the f they were doing. Yeah. Everything sucks. We're going to take it from ground zero and we're going to build it. You give us four years and we're going to have a chance. It's better say that because if you say four, maybe you get three. But if you're in Buffalo, you can't take that job because you don't only get two. What I would say is I'd come in and be like, you guys are going to hire me. The, with Jeff Fisher gone, the 40 to 65 divorcee women uh, faction of the fandom is going to go down. But... The victories and the championship hot potential is going to go up. So Marina Del Suave you know, has, <laughs> his, has his ultimate defect. I love I love the uh, late round quarterback stuff. That <laughs> some of the some of the tweets and little animations, like just Jeff Fisher walking down, like just some hilarious shit. That guy, the stash. <laughs> I I'm, I got to go with the Broncos, man. I think there's uh, especially depending on the candidate. I think. This is a defensive unit that you don't really have to change. If you're comfortable enough, you can keep Wade Phillips, and you've already got one of the best D coordinators in football, to where if you're an offensive guy, you can just you know control you know the offensive side of the ball, install a figurehead in that position, and you can sort of run whatever offense you want. Uh, maybe they'll let you move on from the quarterback position if they didn't see anything in Paxton Lynch. Um, so... You know, Trevor Simeon's there as a capable, at least backup, you know, semi-starter. If you can't find anybody else, it should be an effective run game with that offensive line and C.J. Anderson whoa, whoa, back. Whoa, whoa. Maybe. You could Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why does it seem like, you know, the news, we all see the same stuff. I thought Shanahan was a lock for this thing, but now you're seeing Vance Joseph, who's got ties from being in Colorado. He's a Colorado Buffalo player. Colorado, got ties with um, the... the GM or one of the one of the uh, player personnel guys. Um, if he comes, he's a defensive coordinator. Yeah. So you're gonna hire a defensive coordinator head coach and keep Phillips? I didn't say that. No, 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 well, no. I know you didn't. That, that's know, the real. But, 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 but that's what that. But they, you think Phillips? Phillips could be gone. Okay. But they haven't said anything. So, so that's why I think maybe they're going to go offense coordinator. Because Phillips is a badass, obviously. Well, they love true. Him. But at the same time, I, I worry about that for, for coaches' standpoints. Namely, the last time that since, as I don't know one since, Mike Dicka was hired and they, and they retained Buddy Ryan, that a head coach has taken over uh, where he doesn't get to choose his coordinator and they went to a Super Bowl one. And you know the same thing's happening in San Diego with that with the McCoy gig. They whoever they bring in, they want to keep uh, Wisenhunt. Yeah, Wisenhunt, and they might want to keep John Pagano because their defense. So, but this is the so like, it's yeah, Wisenhunt's your offensive coordinator. Do you want this job? Like, fuck it, I love San Diego. I love a I love a Ballast Point brood down here. I'm from Kansas City. Um, my hobbies are fast cars and fast women. 
because uh, that's why my guys in my car club call me the cruiser. <laughs> Should have called him the dork. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not happy about that. So, but hey, sorry, buddy. You can't always be the winner. <laughs> and Stags doesn't crack Valverde, so you know I can't spread it around. Where were we at here? Uh, oh, no, we're talking Denver? about no, no. So, okay, let, let, let's cruise a little bit. No, but here, here's another. But here's another thing. So you're talking about that you're going to keep. You're going to keep the guy there. Same thing, like you know, when the Bears hired um, uh, Pace to run to be the GM. They already hired John Fox first. You know, I yeah. no, 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 no. But no, it was no. basically they had, they had, they, but they went no, with an outside that, search firm. He didn't to, to hire Fox, but he didn't choose John Fox. It wasn't yeah. his. It was known that it was not his hire. Okay. So this is my whole point. I don't understand if you're going to hire someone to be the head coach, then you can't tell them that you have to have these people on on your your coaching staff. You don't tell them that. You just say you don't get the job without it. But that's my point. The people who take those jobs, why they're not as successful, because they're not running their show. They're having to run multiple. Sh- it's it's, and then it becomes kind of a can become a power struggle type of a thing because if you don't like what that defensive guy is doing, but he's got the the love of the ownership or something above, it becomes difficult for you to actually be the leader of your ship. It depends because then you also have a scapegoat if something goes wrong. Be like, well. You wanted this guy. He was your guy. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Well, like, but, but, neither, but neither. But either way, for you, that's you're right for your job security of the guy you brought in. Either way, for the franchise as a whole, it's not a good thing. It depends. I think there's scapegoats are, are never. It's well, never and, a good and, word and for uh, it, someone that just you're, got you're, brought in. You're hiring someone to be a head coach. That head coach has a vision for how he wants to run his 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 his, his the whole. Organization of the, of the practices, of the work week, of, of how everything Maybe. is deciphered. Well, but if he's good, otherwise, what are you hiring that person for? Uh, you got duped by a Mark Trustman. Okay, it happens. But the truth but, is, a lot of these guys, every one of these guys, every one of the coaches that's hired, essentially at this point, you're they're learning on the job. Any of these guys that are really going to get the gig, as far as a head coaching position, aren't in the defensive coordinator room talking to their guys. They've got to now all of a sudden oversee the whole ship. No, but if you, so- can, if you can bring in your people, at least then you know that, hey, I have a, a solid soldier for me. I don't know what Ken Wisenhunt is going to be 100% on my side. I don't know that Ken Wisenhunt no, isn't, no, isn't I hoping I that I fail, I get fired, then I be, that he becomes the interim head coach with a chance to reprove his chops at getting that head coaching job. No doubt. No doubt about it. I think it all just matters if there's it happens to be a fit. Yeah. yeah. So, like Kyle Shanahan and Wade Phillips, like the naturals for that to happen, Kyle Shanahan to come in. Okay, so Kyle Shanahan was Gary Kubiak's offensive coordinator for a while in Houston. Uh, Rick Dennison was his QB coach uh, under him for a while there. You can see how those parallels. You his can father's him. won two championships yeah. for the franchise. Like he's known Elway since he's eight years old or some shit. So all these things sort of happen. If there's a fit, if your culture is sort of already instilled there, and they're saying now that Kyle Shanahan wants the job. So if he wants the job, it might be his to lose. Because they had a chance to hire Vance Joseph two years ago in 2015. They they interviewed him for the same position, uh, but instead went with Gary Kubiak. Well, and, and, and you would agree that Kyle Shanahan has done nothing but improved his uh, head coaching stock over what he's done. 
He's the hottest candidate right now. He can have any job he wants. Yeah, and, and and the best part about it is Van is Phillips instead of Vance getting hired has been so awesome. Defense, I think I think Shanahan's going to go to the, them. Why don't I just have it? Can I make one call? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make one call that um, uh, the Patriots uh, space his name Denver's previous coach McDaniel. McDaniel. I think he's going down. I think he's going to join forces with Wise and Hunt. I think he's going to the, the uh, San Diego. San Diego. Oh, or really? LA. I don't know. He seems to be too. Power hungry that he'd go there. But see, but this is what's interesting though, too. I want to go back to real quickly go back to Shanahan. This is the point I wanted to make when you were on Shanahan is that what was the problem with Mike Shanahan when he got booted out of there? He had all the control, right? And it was too much control. And it'd be interesting now that Kyle wants to come in here and says, fine, let me just coach. You know, so maybe it's a lesson learned also from his father, you know, do what you do best for a while. (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah, for a while until he until he can yeah I agree with that. Right. But I think you're right. I think the Shanahan son has realized that his dad everywhere he went in after he won those two championships there were probably a lot to do with him, but some of situational great team in place kind of right place right time. He everywhere he went when he went to Washington it's just like he buried his own grave in every spot. And it's you like, bury yourself faster when you are in control yes, of everything. Yes, Look at what happened yes, to Chip yes, Kelly. Yes. Chip Kelly now. Is never going to be a coach in the NFL again. Uh, and here's a perfect example of one of those guys. He said this week, I'll be an offensive coordinator somewhere. And the whole thing about that is someone better be, to your argument, someone better be really confident that he's not trying to uh, 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 usurp you and take. Okay, go. All right. So the thing with. Uh, he gets up, man. I love it. Go, go. The thing is, he jumped in like four times when I was. We all jumped. We all jumped. Well, I was kept go. talking We're about the point. It's all good. All right. So back to San Diego, they're only uh, interviewing defensive candidates. So I don't think Josh McDaniels is even likely to go there. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But Josh McDaniels is going to be interesting in the Chip Kelly sphere because Belichick has worked with Chip Kelly for years and years while he was in Oregon learning some of that offense. So if you can see Chip Kelly going to run that offense or maybe going to replace a guy like Chan Gailey in, in with the Jets, who retired, I believe. You know that's going to be interesting. Chip's going to the Patriots. Uh, that could be real. I'd love to see it. And you know, Dude, that- Chip's going to walk into a meeting with Belichick, and have, have, Chip's <laughs> going to be like, "Pay me well. We're going to win championships. My time is going to come in five or six years. It's like I'm going to re- replace and- you when you're done. And Brady's gone, and things are a little different. And everyone's like, "Wait, Belichick." Isn't maybe he's the best, but it might have a lot Mc, to do with how awesome Brady is. McDaniel's ends up in Buffalo. Buffalo, I don't. That's the least one. You think not? Why would he? Because then he's got to go up against Belichick, right? Because nah. gonna, because Buffalo's going to go. We want to have any advantage against Belichick that we Belichick have. Belichick will slip. Let, 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 let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Hey, look nah, at all their buddies. They're like he already left once, and Belichick's like, "Come here, back. Come back, young soul. <laughs> we we love you." Um, and let's talk about some more of the other the other jobs. But he's not going to Buffalo, right. and I guess he's not going to San Diego. I, I just mean, felt I just felt like saying that. I mean, I I think it's interesting, yeah. but I don't know if he. Gets I thought the stakes were low. That's the reason why it's like he's already gone to Denver and LA. Like, Tebow, and they won first round playoff with that shake. Um, anyway, who? I wonder, what, what, are, what are some I, of the other situations so, we should talk about? And then let's get to. San Francisco 49ers, you know, they had a complete sort of retool 
We'll see who they hire as their GM because that's going to make a lot of the decisions. You can't go out hiring the coach before you hire your GM or else you're going to be in for a bad situation. Um, unless they're going to hire one of these guys that's just going to do it all. And I don't know if there's one of these great candidates out there to run everything right now. So and unless you want to give that power to Josh McDaniels again, and he's a guy who might want a lot of power after having a little bit of it in Denver and now you know revisiting. We'll see. But this is a job that are, you look at the talent on this team – I don't know if, who wants it. Like, I, I guess there's a guy like a Vance Joseph who's never had. He'll be one of these coordinators that's not really talked about, but who's popular in some spots. We'll see. But money maybe, grab works out great. Yeah. It, it, it gets some money. It works out great. You stick around for the next ten years. If not, uh, you'll you'll drop back. Here's the one thing about the Niners. The only thing I'm gonna say, Jed York, you're a douche because you had Harbaugh. Who hopefully I hear it's not going to happen. But I'd like I want Harbaugh to go to the Rams because then you can face the Niners, who's my team, and just say fuck off, Jed York, every time. The Niners, the word out on the streets, the Niners may owe seventy million dollars to fired coaches over the last four years. I don't think that's the word. I think that's the fact. Fine. <laughs> you know, they say I've heard th- between thirty and seventy million. Like no one really knows the actual whatever it is. Four years, all the fired coaches, seventy million dollars. Jed York, you should be fired. It's probably because if those guys like, take another the job, they only have to pay them what the difference is of what their other salary. That's why. That's, that's why the why numbers not range. How much? How much yes. is it does? Well, nobody Michigan knows. Pay all the shit. Nobody knows where Jim Tom Sula is. Like, <laughs> there's this there's this story about that's somebody asking for an interview from Jim Tom Sula, emailing his agent. It's like, hey, you think uh, you know Jim Tom Sula would be interested in coming in and talking about you know the working relationship with York and whatever that might have been. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to ask him, but I, I don't even know where he is right now. He's got so much money. He's out in like, he's in he like China. He has sixteen million dollar yeah. contract. He's like in China somewhere doing cocaine out the wazoo with a bunch of good times happening. He's like, this was the best job ever. He's having lots of better days. We got more. Well, explain yourselves. Well, sir. Uh, we were, uh, we were going to the bingo parlor at the YMCA. Well, one thing led to another, and uh, the instructions got all fouled up there, and we ended up... Shut up. Okay, sir. So I think the last real job to talk about is Buffalo. And, and if I had to bet on Buffalo, I just think it's going to be Anthony Lynn... You know, their interim head coach, I think he's going to be the guy likely to take over there. It just doesn't seem like a situation that anybody really wants to go. And this is a guy that they, you know, wanted to get a look at after firing Rex Ryan. And they think that he's a leader of men and all that bullshit they say about coaches. So we'll see. I think that's something. And if you fire that guy in two years, you know, you're also firing the GM at that time. And, and you won't have a lot riding on it. So that's that's my thought. Uh, I don't know what you think about Buffalo. Uh, uh, Lynn's the guy, and he had his dress performance <laughs> the last week of the season. <laughs> uh, 
Not good. Tough situation. Now, also think about this. Think about, again, I don't understand. Two years. It's always two years of Buffalo and they're firing guys. It's like, are you going to pick a direction, pick a lane, and get in that lane and really go in, in that direction? I told I, that to Kobe Bryant in 2004. Hey, <laughs> it happens with every team in the AFC East. They're all trying to compete and compare themselves against New England and against Bill Belichick. Do you know how many coaches there have been in the AFC East since Bill Belichick took over in New England? Yeah. <laughs> do you? No. 22. I do know that Bill Belichick quit the day after he took the Jets job today. So that's like in, mor- in memoriam. He took the job with the Jets 20 years ago today and then quit the next day and said he wasn't ready to leave the Jets. Um, it's insane. Here's the one thing I'll say. Doug Wally, uh, Whaley, whatever, he didn't know why they had fired Rex Ryan. You saw the shit show interview that happened with him this week talking about the whole situation and how the job's on his shoulders, find the new head coach. It can't be really very um, optimistic if you were looking. I mean, there's people that want to get that job and and be a, be an NFL head coach, but it can't be a franchise. That, I, I think they're even more of a shit show than than say the San Francisco or the Browns at this point. And I know the Browns don't have a vacancy, but at least 49ers have a new stadium. It's San Francisco, it's a shitload of money. You're in California. It's like the Bills. It's like the sh- the franchises and. Is, it's shitty. It's Buffalo. You're, you're in fucking Buffalo, so-called, and they've obviously made a decision. They've said to everyone, Tyrod Taylor, who is a bummer, I agree with what you said a show or two ago, I hope he ends up in the Browns, or maybe that was something we, we talked about. And I hope I hope Tyrod Taylor is the Browns quarterback next year. I love that. But they said, we're not going to we're not gonna have that guy, I think. Uh, but what do you think about Frank Reich? Frank Reich is that more? Is he an <laughs> offensive coordinator or he's quarterbacks an off- coach? He's an offensive Colts? coordinator. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he's with the Colts. Is he with the Eagles now? But he's, he's, he's yeah, been he's around. He's with the Eagles. Eagles, he's, Eagles. Been, he's been coaching but up. He's, he's the reason why I like him is because he's a Bills guy. Yeah, he's been there. What was he? Jim Kelly's backup. He's the guy that yeah. led the ridiculous the comeback. Best, the two best, best comebacks backup, uh, yeah. in NFL and NCAA history. That's the only reason why I think he might get the. He might be like, dude. I'm, this might this might be my shot. I might get it. And the, the the fan base, if you bring back Frank Reich, it's gonna be welcomed. So I could see Frank Reich going there. Yeah, and with these sort of you know problems that are gonna have at quarterback, is that something he wants to take on? I mean, even for a guy who you know is known as a little bit of a quarterback guru and is good at building these guys up, do you really want to build up a Cardale Jones? That's I haven't really heard. I haven't really heard though that him is a big head coach. He's, he's, kid, well, he's getting an interview with the Bills because he's he's just a quarterbacks coach, right? But he was the offensive coordinator last year before they brought Wisenhunt back to San Diego. He was their offensive coordinator, okay. and he actually was all right. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But I think the last job we really need to talk about that we're done with this Jacksonville. I haven't heard very many names. They just keep saying tough. Disciplinarian, a guy who's going to whoop their ass a little bit, you know, keep them in check. And they already interviewed Coughlin, but oh. it, it doesn't sound like that is really a job that is going to happen. 
I hope not. We would have heard more about it. it There's just something like a better advisor, like board member. It's something like along those around lines. Yeah. To, to be a hard ass and do be old school, but to hire him sounds like kind of a bad move. But other than that, I don't know who else wants that job. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're tr- they supposedly have been requesting to speak to Josh McDaniels. They wanted to speak to Kyle Shanahan. So That seems like the Josh McDaniels. Sorry, to, I mean, I don't mean to be a dick to Josh McDaniels because I love him. I think he's a great guy. I think he's actually going to be a great head coach. I do. I, I liked him even in Denver. I liked what he did. But I think he wants a low-stakes opportunity, and that's why I like the San Diego and maybe even the Jaguars. It's like, hey, you know what? I can stick around for five years. Well, and if, it does, if I do something, I can stick around for ten. Well, how long do they give Gus Bradley? Money and Way too long. We, we were calling for his job two years ago on the podcast. But also, don't you also think that it's a better situation for him? Look, they addressed all their issues on the defensive side of the ball. It didn't mesh yeah. 100%, but you got talent on that side of the ball. You now know that you come in, you don't have to deal with that. You can probably, in your first draft, be adding one to two pieces impact pieces to the offense so know that he, that he can go in that other direction there. I mean, obviously I think that they realized that it was wasted money on, on Ivory um, and, and Yeldon has just not ended up being anything that they thought he was going to be, so you're going to have to spend something there, but you still got decent receivers. Think about Allen Robinson. He's gone if they bring in the wrong coach. If you bring in a, 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 a Josh... Maybe he sticks around for the right salary. Maybe like, all right, we got an offensive-minded guy that can make some shit happen. There's certain, there's a lot of on the offense. They've got Hearns and uh, Bortles. Yeah, sweet. All right, Marquise Lee. (laughs) Yeah, and Marquise Lee. Who was I reading earlier today? Did he have a thousand yards? No. 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 He did. He did. But he was. uh, I'll I'll go to that. I I, I added him. Eight fifty-one. I had him mentioned in my trends. Um, all right, I think we're good. Head coaching, we'll see what happens. Obviously, the coaching slots that happen with any of the NFL teams have their fantasy football repercussions, and uh, hopefully they're going to be good for all the players you love and whatnot. Um, before we get into the kind of part two of the show, which is going to be exciting, kind of what we're going to be doing during these playoffs is we'll cover these matchups. Usually it won't. We've covered a bunch of stuff in between, yeah, yeah. so it's been different. We haven't been strictly on the matchups, but uh, what we're going to be doing during these playoffs is covering the games, covering that weekly matchup from a fantasy football perspective, and then we'll come up with some sort of probably more of an audit and something recent and reviewing the 2016 season while it's hot, looking at our drafts. I think next uh, next week or so we'll be looking at our tiers and doing a review, return on investment, all that sort of stuff. We'll be during these playoffs looking at uh, 2016 stuff that we saw uh, and reviews sort of things and that's what we're gonna do right now. And this is this is where I get excited. All right. I, mean, I love I love I love talking about this sort of stuff. I love the strategies that Houdini always loves talking about teaching you how to fish. But right now what we'll do is a 2016 Fantasy Football in Review. Again, we're going to keep it light. We're going to go in and out. We're at two hours. We've got a whole off season to talk about, or at least the next month or so, to talk about a lot of stuff. So we don't want to blow our nut in one show. Um, anyway, before we get into this, let's not listen to this train that's going to go by. I'll talk loud over it. And let's listen to another word from our sponsor. All right. 
I think the first thing we should do in this part two, as far as the fantasy football in review, let's just talk about a couple, a few trends that maybe we've seen. These are things we'll talk about in, in, in future podcasts and dive deeper into. Let's go top level on a few trends, things that we noticed from 2016 that will maybe make us say, scratch our head like, whoa, hey, things are a little different. Heading into the next offseason are things we should pontificate on right now. Well, the trend for me that, that I paid most attention to has always been the where is the needle going on the wide receiver versus running back. And, and the trend that I noticed this year is as we have seen this acceleration of the wide receiver where this year they became pretty much, what, at least half in a, in a, in a, te, in a 12-team league, at least half if not more than half of the first round picks were wide receivers which used to be one or two at the most and but the difference is, is that these wide receivers have been going on this positive positive trend of ascending upwards in their point scoring and the running backs have been coming back and this year we saw a little bit more of that coming back together and we saw a resurgence in the running backs and we saw it now because it's the NFL kind of catching up with itself. And, and this is the one thing. It's like if you can never count on any trend, as far as I'm concerned in the NFL, for more than a couple of years because everybody catches on to it and then it just becomes the norm. And what we have seen with, it used to be, you know, when we talk about the workhorse running backs, there are a couple of teams that still have them. But for the most part, all other teams have adopted the idea that it is a running back by committee and they have been getting better and better at finding the specialized talent that matches their systems. Yeah, but now the scoring for the top end of receivers just sort of bottomed out. Uh, scoring for you know wide receivers as a whole, when you look at that bell curve, it wasn't as high in some ways. It was a lot more spread out. Um, you look at players with over what a hundred fantasy points. There was forty nine wide receivers. Uh, in standard scoring leagues with that. Uh, and you look at tight ends, there was t- nine tight ends that met that threshold. What was the threshold? 100 points. And then there was, you know, 36 running backs that met the 100-point threshold in standard leagues. So it was a lot more spread out, and a lot of receivers were able to reach that sort of threshold. And, and you look at scoring for the wide receivers as a whole, and that's something that's really going to change. Because when you talk about the impact of wide receivers versus running backs in the first round in this you know zero RB theory or you know best player available theory you know depending on how you want to look at a value based draft uh, it, it's going to matter a lot and there is no right strategy but going in with the game plan is the right strategy. You know, taking into account positional scarcity is smart. So drafting your quarterback late rather than spending an early round pick on one is definitely the way to go. Matt Ryan, case in points. You know, the regression of the number one player in fantasy is something we'll talk about a little bit later. But just overall, scoring for wide receivers seemed to be a little bit down at the top uh, and more spread out amongst positions. Because quarterbacks seem to be more willing than ever to spread it around a little bit more. Well, I, I think you're just seeing, again, it's it's unique talents that never had a chance in the past to find the football field, right? 
Um, you the, these, especially all of these players who became into more prominence. Okay, let's look at the wide receiver position, where your Adam Thielens, your Jamison Crowders, your Cole Beasleys, your Jarvis Landrys. These these inside receivers who are normally relegated to. You know, if you could find a place for them, or you had to run some some of these weird gimmick plays. Now there's those guys are not those guys are standards now. Then there are the gimmick players, right? The more Tavon Austins and and Tyler Lockett's and different guys that you have to do more in order to get the ball in their hands. Cordero Patterson's because they don't have the ability to just at least run these super crisp routes and and do all these other things right. So. I, I find it I find it interesting in, in that regard. Yeah, there was definitely a sort of breakout of some gimmick players, some younger ones. We saw Tyreek Hill break out. We saw Tyler Lockett uh, break out a little bit at the end of last season. You know, there's other guys that aren't traditional sort of receivers, but teams want to get them the ball and get them the ball in as many different ways as possible. So that's something to pay attention to. You know, as we go into other seasons. Well, my thing, and I like the way that you started at 100 points with the wide receiver, because my thing is 100 points, it's good. It's 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 kind of never gonna. Those aren't really the guys that are gonna they're gonna hook up your team, and there's the, there's the haves and have-nots. So we've got the hundred. There's the hundred point threshold, and we talked that only 10 wide receivers hit over 150 points. So, 10 wide receivers in 2016 hit over 150 fantasy points, which still, when you look at a David Johnson, who had, what, 230, he had 325 points. So, David Johnson this year had 325 And what's the high, what was the highest receiver? Highest receiver is 207, Jordy Nelson. And that, that's the one thing that's, that's always the key difference. And this is always, when you, if you want to go back and do audit, you want to call it this or whatever. When you're drafting those wide receivers in the first round, what you're basically saying is... The I, upside I, is 100, I, I, 100 points less. Well, no, no. What you're saying is, I in want standard. a better floor. Standard, I, yeah. want a, I want a more solid floor. Because you you can predict better as far as it's not as volatile uh, the amount of great one season to down the next season for wide receivers as it is for running backs. You know, how many different years we've had a different running back be the number one scoring running back in the league, also because of the damage it can take at the position. So health is also a major factor. So tells me. But what's what's important to note is the three hundred plus point fantasy seasons are always. Always and only, let's exclude talking skill positions, not quarterbacks, always and only running backs. Yeah. Like Antonio Brown. I think he broke it last year with like 304 with that ridiculous season, I, I, I want to say. But well, it depends that, on your scoring system. Yeah, scoring systems are different. Yeah. But in that change, scoring system matters. Of course. If you're in a we, can't, we, can't, we can't talk about everyone's scoring system. Well, so we, we, know the, we, we know the base. No, we can't. We, can. we have 52 podcasts a year. Damn right we can't. We can't. We, okay. we, we just have to adjust you know, what we're saying. Yeah, the whole podcast. In, in PPR leagues, you know, Antonio Brown was awesome this year, but he didn't score the 400 points. Uh, that David Johnson did. But going back to it, the top six fantasy wide receivers were all drafted in the first three rounds. And typically, 
and then you look at you know seven through ten because then you're going to find the Devonte Adams, the Michael Thomases that that you got in uh, a little bit later in your drafts that were calculated risks. Even Brandon Cooks was probably a third round pick, third fourth. Devonte Adams and Thomas, other than I mean, unless you're in a rookie league, both both those guys were waiver wires. Oh yeah, they, potentially. Yeah. But how did how to go for running backs? I was, I was in a team. I'm I was in that's a, where the difference comes in. So as far as predictability, th- this year you know you got David Johnson at the end of the first. You got Ezekiel Elliott in the first or the second. You got Lashawn McCoy in you know the third or the fourth. Yeah. You, you know he was a third round pick by average on ADP. Le'Veon Great Bell second in the, in the leagues I was in, but yeah. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell came in. You know, there uh, in the, of the, the end of the second round, you know, beginning of the second round, so solidly in the second round. And then DeMarco Murray, he got a little bit uh, of the fourth, fifth round yeah, price tag. Value, yeah. And that was a little bit different. And then Devonta Freeman. So the sixth, the top six, if you want the elite scorers, you pretty much have to pay up for these guys no matter what. Like, if you want somebody to be good, you got to spend the elite picks and you got to. Make sure you're getting the right guys whose situation isn't fluctuating too much, or when their situation is fluctuating, it's for a good thing. They're not changing teams and getting a Brock Osweiler quarterback, but you know they lost one of their secondary receivers, and now their targets are sure to come up, like a Mike Evans or touchdown regression in the case of Evans. Things along those lines. But and with Evans, I thought I think the big thing, uh, along with losing uh, Vincent Jackson getting hurt and whatever, is just a young quarterback getting better and realizing where he, he, he can make his bread. The other thing too is look at what you can say that it is true. Those, those picks, those players are coming out of there, but there are also players that win you your fantasy leagues because all the damage that they did were in the last seven to eight weeks or, or, or ten weeks of the season. You know. Case in point, a guy who was also a waiver wire a player at the beginning of the year. How about Jordan Howard? How about what Jordan Howard did to solidify uh, fantasy owners' running back situations when you know you're grabbing him and he's he may not have been giving you the touchdowns in every week, but he's giving you a hundred yards almost every damn week and unlimited touches too, as we've already alluded to many times. Quick little NFL stat that's been going around. We all know this. We've all read it. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Jordan Howard, first time in a long while, or ever, uh, that um, two rookies are led the league in uh, 1-2 in rushing. Pretty awesome. Uh, Howard is a Bear fan. I think we're all fired up for that guy. Well, and, and, and also think about Howard. I think he might be like number one in the league as far as yards after contact. Yeah, and he's just the fourth running back ever to average more than 5.2 yards per carry on 250-plus attempts. Uh, to to be, you know, what fourth running back ever? I think it's Jamal Clinton Charles. Portis. Clinton Portis. He didn't have enough uh, carries he in his rookie. Two fifty. Huh? He didn't have enough carries in his rookie season to qualify. Clinton Portis, Adrian Peterson, and Barry Sanders. Eric Dickerson. Or maybe it was Eric Dickerson. One of those guys. Yeah. One, of those, one of those stuff. One of those Good studs. Good company. Good yes, company. So, but we're, in addition to talking about Jordan Howard, over the last five weeks of the season. In standard leagues, he was the running back five, averaging 17 fantasy points a week. He scored four touchdowns over that span, but the guy just behind him, also a waiver wire pickup potentially, uh, Bilal Powell. The rest of the guys are sort of, you know, Ty Montgomery was there at 10th, but the rest of them, 
or fairly predictable. But One of the but, things I want to say, hold on, oh, yeah. while we're talking about Bilal Powell, when we get this in there, look at Bilal Powell compared to Latavius Murray, right. and it's it's you're gonna you're gonna be upset about Latavius. Yeah, it just, what do you mean? Yard, yards, 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 yards carry. Took, yeah. He's got like he's got almost he's got like forty yards less on the season than Latavius, but he's got like eighty less carries. Like there's. And I know Latavius was taken in the fourth round in basically every league I was in. Like, woo, woo, woo. And you get that below pickup. Yep. Another one. Here, quickly, no, no, one no, thing no. I want to go ahead. I just want to jump in, too, because the other thing, too, look at look at the wide receiver position. Because there's other like guys like Tyreek Hill. Say what you will. As gimmicky as he was, and maybe he only had like the one carry for 68 yards, they went for touchdowns. And so it's like he was... Where, where did he finish out on the year? I mean, he probably finished out as a wide receiver 15. 15. So it, it's, can you make an impact? Another guy that you could have got off the waiver wire at the end of the year who all of a sudden just had, like, rejuvenation. How about Pierre Garçon and what he did going down the stretch? So there's a lot of these guys that it's like. After, after Crowder had done it in week four until week ten, and then Garçon did and it's also sometimes too when you look at things on the grand scale at the end, you might be missing some of the point too. Here's the number one running back because I'll, I'll never forget it's the year what was it three or four years, four or five years ago when Maurice Jones drew the year before that we interviewed yeah. him and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the, with the Siciliano and ears yeah. on, the, on the podcast with him and Ronnie White going. You know, you were the best running back last year, but were you? No, you were the healthiest running back last year yeah. because it took you 16 games to finally get over. I don't remember exactly who the running back was, who had done whatever he did in 11 or 12 games. Yeah, no, no question about so it. So fantasy impact is huge for for those spurts. So talking about those wide receiver trends, like as I said, 10 wide receivers that had 100 more than 150. Um, in 2015, that number was 17. In 2014, uh, 150 plus wide receivers was 17. In 2013, it was 16. So there's a drop off there. Now at the same time, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, the level of guys between that 100 and the 149, let's say, there's 39 players there. So. You got thirty-nine. You got ten players that are above one hundred and fifty, and you got thirty-nine players that are between the hundred points, which means you scored fantasy points and you weren't worthless. Uh, that is something to really keep your eye on, and what that tells me, as far as trends go, more than anything else, get. It goes back to our tier thing. Get a top-tier guy, and even even what we've seen in, in, in tight ends, and I'll go to that a little bit later if we have time, but. Get the best player at a position, even if you've already got a quarterback, and you see something there, like grab the Matt Ryan, grab the fucking something else, because you can trade them. You can make moves that can help improve your team, because if you're sitting there, you just got to grab the best guy in your tiers and get that top-tier talent across. Even if you're just, instead of saying, I need two running backs, I need two wide receivers, venture off into something else, even if you already got it, because you can you can make something happen, and there's so many flex leagues now that I last two years I've had very much success with two tight ends this year two years in a row Kelsey and friggin when he came back um, Eifert giving you some luck go the other thing is why that's so important if you're doing snake drafts within the first seven rounds 
you're gonna get at one point in time that the, the two picks that are coming that you go, I fucking hate everyone that's available here. Yeah. Because if you're looking at it especially based on your needs, so you need to ignore those needs, especially at that point in time, and especially if you're at the ends of, of the reps, right, where you're going to get two picks in a row, and the grouping just evaporated on you. Well, then you need to go with that highest guy in the tier, and if it means that you're drafting a second goddamn quarterback in the first five rounds of, an, of, your, of your draft, you know what? Based on what was there, it still could be a better pick what you can do with it in trade. And, and you're also round, not going to be playing against that guy. Next round, you take another great running back, wide receiver, or tight end, and you might pack. You might just know within the first three weeks, I'm packaging one of that quarterbacks and one of those other picks in that six-seven round, and for for someone that's one of those top tier guys, it's it's it's. it's doesn't always work out that way, but it's better than fucking having another one of those seventh round duds. Yeah, when we look at tight ends, though, I think you could pretty much eliminate taking a tight end in any of the top two rounds. For I, sure. I, I think with positional scarcity and how things go, you have to go. Have to is a strong word, but you should go. Highly suggested. Highly suggested going. You know, running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. You know, any of those combinations and doing it that way and building your team out from the base positions where you need multiple players. When you only need one player in your lineup, you know, if if it's a two-quarterback league, this is totally different. But when you need that standalone single player in your lineup on a weekly basis, there's more out there to choose from on a weekly basis. You can stream. You can pick guys up. And, you know, streaming is the last resort. But it, it's an option when there's only one position on your roster. Oh, and I'll make this point, though, too. True that. Um, in, in my main league, where, unfortunately, this year I missed the playoffs. I'm not playing in my in my playoffs that are going on right now, which is so uh, the most frustrating thing in the world. And the main reason why is I got too greedy trying to stockpile other players, and I avoided the quarterback position. And this is a league where their running quarterbacks are null and void because it's just total yards for quarterbacks. So um, I was holding off, holding off, and I thought I could get Derek Carr, and then I kept looking at the board. Oh, there's only one other guy, but he's already got Blake Bortles. He won't draft the quarterback, so I let it go to grab the extra player, and then Derek Carr disappeared from me. And then I got stuck with Jameis Winston, who I was high on, but, you know, I was probably extra high trying to sell myself because of I was stuck with him. My, something I've learned <laughs> over the... No, and, and it's, it's, your honesty is awesome. Something I've learned over the last few years and a lot doing the show and we, we is I do do this. It's not like, would I take this guy over that guy like I do in my tears? When it's on the pick, I'm like, if this guy... Is this guy going to make me want to jump off a bridge or not? And if I look and it's a Derek Carr, like you said, or I look at the next two guys and it's like, and I feel like I'm going earlier, like, all right, it's safety net. I jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and I jumped and I went into the net. I feel like I went a little earlier, but it's better than me being like, after I leave the draft, driving home, like, oh my God, why did I not do that? it's, It's almost, it sucks, but it's almost like, what is going to make me... What's going to not give me a migraine? Well, and, and this is the point. Especially leading up to my league. I had been... I was the high, I, I'm sure I was the highest head Derek Carr, the highest on our tiers. I had him... I think I was like number eight overall quarterback going mm-hmm. into the year. Like I was 
It's just high on the guy. And my buddy, who listens to us, yeah. uh, was a guy who already had Blake Bortles, didn't need him, but he knew. And I was like, made a point, and I like, kind of joked about it, and then he stole him from me. And then, and then I spent the rest of that league going, oh my God, I would have won like four other games that I lost had I had him as my quarterback. And and you caught, you texted me in Stags and said, I'm quitting the podcast for years. <laughs> I need a championship. <laughs> for my Saturday. Kickers and defenses in the last two rounds yet? No. No? I'm not, why would I be I so over, I overdrafted, but I'm down with OPP. <laughs> I've always been last two rounds. I don't okay. ever. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. You're still not down. Yeah. Not after seeing Goskowski fail. Well, he didn't fail. I mean, he he's didn't the succeed. ninth kicker. That's fine. It wasn't good. I don't, but we're but one, one of them where I did the exact same thing that paid off Chiefs. Ohms. I, I'm not. I, they I, were up and down. They, the Chiefs were a free agent team in my Yes, league. I picked yeah. up the Chiefs off the waiver wire. Okay, like, I drafted them. I didn't yeah. give them the, anybody the chance. I, I, There's that. That too. So I'm not. I'm still. I'm always going. And I overdrafted Goskowski. The no biggest. Question. The biggest mistake. But it wasn't like I was drafting them like I'm in deep leagues. I'm yeah. drafting them like the 14th or 15th round in 22 round drafts. So okay, it's not like, but, I'm but not but doing the Adam the Rank draft him in the fifth round. But, so no, but that's the equivalent of drafting him in the 12th round in the 16th uh, uh, draft. Round let me just let one thing we know. In my big money league, I drafted Goskowski three rounds before I drafted Tyler Eifert. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's going to be, Tyler Eifert's going to be my keeper in that league. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, look, I just, I always look at the fact that People make miscalculations on defenses. Defense is most importantly every single year. I'm more of a and guy it's, than a defense guy. The, the defenses that were great the year before, it's this is not like one guy in a position where it's the quarterback can affect the, the, the wide receiver or the it's everyone that's there. So there's always so much movement. You have to pay attention to the movement. And the one thing is that when free agents go to defensive teams, if they're impact players and such. They don't have to take as long a time to get acclimated to what they're doing as offensive guys have to get in sync. Like a wide receiver that's a free agent coming over to a new team takes a little bit longer to get really comfortable in the system. You can bring a guy from New England and Akeem Tlaib and put him in Denver and he can be an impact in year one. I think I'm the bad guy to talk about about this subject because I'm in like smaller leagues with bigger benches and I just kind of want to stop. I just want to, like at the end it's like, Holy shit! Is am I right now? Am I taking a uh, a, a Brandon LaFell or am I going to take like a, an awesome kicker? And I'm going to take an awesome kicker. But I know that so many people are in leagues that are like 16 rounds, short, uh, mini, real short benches. They're in 12 man leagues, and yeah, you know, in, the, in, in that, and there are because they're going to have to drop those defenses. They're going to have to drop that kicker on a bye week because you can't house that's, that's you can't house a backup defense. Hold on, you just said it right there. You just 
anyone that's, that's reaching up, if you have to drop the kicker that you're reaching up for because of a bye week, or if you're having to drop another player in order to keep the kicker that you want yeah. to draft another kicker for the bye week, or if you're the person who's just like, <laughs> I'm going to punt, I'm going to punt the week because I have to keep this kicker, you are making a mistake. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so when we look at the knee, I said that was like, fired I gotta spell it. that one out. Come on, go stick party. Oh, I'm good. But we look at the best kicker in the league this year, uh, fantasy wise. That's Matt Bryant. Oh, Matt Bryant. Yeah. Because he didn't get the uh, field goal opportunities, Justin Tucker. So real football and fantasy football differentiates on what you need from a kicker. You just need to be attached to that high-scoring offense, and that's always going to be the thing I look for than trying to cherry-pick field goal attempts. Although, know your league, because in my league it was Justin Tucker, because longer field goals are worth a hell of a lot more points. Like double? Uh, A 50-yarder is worth... Eight, a fifty-five what? plus is worth. T- this is my super bonus league. I love where, it. Where a short touchdown, fifty-five. Right? A, a, short t- awesome. a short touchdown is worth. Well, it's also negative six if you miss a, a thirty yard or less. So uh, you know, take your pain. Yeah, uh, that league sounds like a lot of pain. I wouldn't even be able to watch. The game. Well, that's why it's like I have like Tyreek Hill, right? So he had like the, the kick return for the touchdown, uh, ninety-six yard. I get the the points for the touchdown. Well, it's four points for a. Nine to zero yard touchdown, but then it goes up one point for every ten yards. That's like a fourteen point touchdown that he scores. Nice. Boom on the board, and then if you get it as receiving yards too, boom on top. Unbelievable. Here, what do you go, go, buddy? Got some more trends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you look at quarterback, and you look at their scoring sort of breakout, you know the three hundred point guys were all there. But then there's a giant next tier, uh, and that's where you want to consider streaming. I mean, that tier from Matthew Stafford all the way down to basically, you know, Ben Roethlisberger who missed a game, Carson Palmer who missed a game, they're separated by a matter of half a point a game. So it's just a tight, tight cluster there of quarterbacks you want to potentially have on your roster and who could do things for you on a weekly basis, but you can't be tied to any of these guys who aren't the studs of studs. You have to sort of, if you want to play matchups, do it. Because playing quarterbacks is going to get a little bit different. And think about this. Ben Roethlisberger was a top five quarterback, maybe top six quarterback drafted in August. Uh Carson Palmer, maybe in there, but in different people. I mean, I, I'm not high on him, but other people seem to love him. Cam Newton, the number one guy there, finished. All those guys, Cam Newton, 17. And obviously we're just talking about a standard scoring right now, but 17, 18, 19. Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. <laughs> you know, those are, I mean, Cam Newton was the – was it was a – Pretty much like a third-round pick. Second, third-round pick, yeah. He was the first quarterback off the board. Yeah. The thing, I also, next year I won't draft Aaron Rodgers. First, the first quarterback overall will never meet those statistical thresholds in a second season. He's bound for regression. 
Well, it's the career year beware, it's, it's, but it's also, it, it becomes melded into top performer from last year beware, just because if you're the top performer from last year, you have nowhere to go but down. Yeah. And in you're order not to gonna, be, your ROI is not, your return on investment is not going to be sound. And you're not, you're not sneaking up on any defense that you're playing against. Every team that is, that is going up against you is going to be ultra preparing for you. So it just, it just makes it silly. It, it's just not, it's not a wise idea. Uh, to be going after that top performer. Nice. Um, well, hey, let's, I got another trend. I got, I got, I got oh, one more. Got Verde? Oh, damn right I do. Valverde. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. We're soldiers. But we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. We're 10 and 1. 10 and 1. Just all 1. All right. Should we not do bitch slap? Or should we just keep going with trends? I got a little nah, more trend. Because there's more. There's more. Or under, I'd rather do things by we're surprised. Let's just do trends. Let's just do yeah, trends. Let's just do the rest trends. Of the show. We have a lot of off season to go here. Okay. Yeah. We'll do we'll do <laughs> trends and, we'll, and the, the things we uh, weren't surprised by, we'll, we'll bag that too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> to go back to, obviously, there's only really four positions we can do. We did we did a good number on the uh, tight ends and uh, or defense and kickers. Well, in the last yeah, how about this real quick interjection? Charlie, don't serve. Uh, is doing a. I don't, did he send you the email? No. So it's a, uh, a fantasy league. We have to do like an online draft. It's up to 14 guys, and you're going to start like one quarterback, two running backs. Uh, no, one quarterback, one one running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, and a head coach. So you get like points for a win on the road, or uh, wait, let me look it up. I'll tell look you exactly up. what the, uh, the the points are. It's really it's really hilarious. Look it up. I know we touched on tight ends a bit and just the way it's down, but I just wanted to point something out. Kelsey was the leader this year. Um, well, we love our Kelsey. 136 points was the leader <laughs> standard for um, you know for tight end this year. Coming off of you know us talking up how tight end is changing the game, and as you said, you just can't. I, I I'll I'll take you deeper. Kelsey, I think I was grabbing in most drafts in the fifth or sixth round for the last two years. Pretty similar. I don't think you can grab a tight end in the top four rounds, to be honest. Maybe. Um, I mean, because if you I think grab- Kelsey's going to be a fourth round pick next year. I think Gronk's going to be a third round pick. And I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I like it. I understand it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I think that's what I expect what, what, what from do you think Olsen? Olsen, was he a late third rounder, early fourth? He was a fourth, probably a solid fourth rounder. See, like, and he, and, he, he, and he was garbage. So I'm, I'm more of a guy, and I've always been this way. Like, I kind of like that fifth, sixth round tight end to get one of those better guys. But look at these numbers. It kind of makes me rethink it. It goes back to me, my, my old standard for, for it in my 16-round uh, league was I'm going to draft two of them, and they're going to be around 7 and 8 or 8 and 9 I, it, because I'm kind of waiting and waiting and waiting, and then when it gets to that kind of where they're almost kind of the same, and there have been gems that I found out of there. I've, I've grabbed a Witten in years back uh, in the same year that I also grabbed uh, Kel Winslow Jr. when he had the ridiculous year that he had with Cleveland, and you just you can find tons of value. The numbers, the numbers that I'm going to tell you right now are going to are going to kind of make you feel differently that maybe that no, 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 seven eight needs is, to be like nine ten well, maybe, or ten eleven eleven twelve. I'm seeing it already with 137 being the top. 
but this was also finally the, the, the year that we had, we, we saw a regression. We, we, we've kind of seen a comeback to the norm. I was talking about it earlier when we were talking about uh, the scoring of the running backs and the wide receivers coming back closer together now. The running backs making a resurgence this year. Uh, that's also part and parcel to the running backs coming back is tight ends going down. It's saying, you know what, teams are, are being more prepared for this, and so we need to get our running backs more involved and have more of a balanced attack. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Absolutely. Kelsey, 136. So that's a leader for 2016 season at tight end. Last year, Gronkowski had 183. In 2014, Gronkowski had 184. All right, that's pretty close numbers. Those are both about, what, 50 over what we had this year. In 2013, 217 points by Jimmy Graham. So that's almost, that's about 80, 90 points less this year than in 2013, three years ago. Graham was number one with 152 in 2012. And then we know Gronk had the best tight end season of all time in 2011 with 240, which is... But that's the whole point. 240. 106 points less. And people are drafting Gronk happily this year, last August, but in the first late first round, early, early second round. My, my whole point with this is this is where I've been bitching about the, the fact of why would you draft a, a tight end in the first round anyway, where Gronkowski, the best ever, 240, and you look at the only 300-pointers have all been running backs, and, and these wide receivers are scoring more. You don't get the production. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, Travis Kelsey had the most fantasy points uh, or least fantasy points by a tight end one since 2006. This is also the first year since 2006 that no single tight end in the league scored double-digit fantasy or double-digit touchdowns. Uh, you look at the per-game averages; none of the uh, tight ends uh, average double-digit fantasy points in standard leagues. There's just all these things you look at, and uh, yeah, Gronk might be the best of the bunch. But Gronk is 180 points. He's maybe 40 points better from the difference. So he's two points better. But drafting, you had a chance to take David Johnson at the end of the first round. And he chose to go with Gronk. Um, I can't really David see. Johnson was going about four or five. He went number one in my league. Yeah, We I, got him in the 15th, 16th in a bunch of leagues. Scott um, Fishbowl. Well, that, that, we that was a double quarterback league, though. But still, there is. And we were, and we, every league I was in, he went four or five, or he was. As six. the season got closer and closer, yeah, six was the latest I saw him go. But it does matter. I agree. The, the leagues are there's so many variants. It's like when we try to we try to cover it all on the show, but we got to stick to one little panel. But I I, I hear you. So hey, can let me go yeah, back yeah, to this whole thing. So this is great. So anyone, if you get this podcast and you're thinking about oh, I still want to do some sort of fancy thing here in the off season. Uh, in, the, in the playoffs. So what Charlie's doing is, is 30 bucks a man, winner takes all, snake online draft. You, cl- you accumulate points as long as they're alive. So is this, Can I still join this? Yeah, you can send them an email. We haven't drafted yet. So, um, you know, we're going to have up to 14 people can play. As, as little as six teams, as many as, as 14. You're starting one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, and the head coach. So it's gonna be interesting. When do you draft your head coach? Because it. so it's one point per ten r- rushing and receiving no yards. Check. First overall. Six points per touchdown. Negative three points on a fumble. A five point bonus for 150 rush or receiving yards. They're not combined, so no total yards. One point for 25 passing yards. Six point per passing touchdown. Negative four for interception. 
five-point bonus for fourth-quarter game-winning drive, quarterback only. And then head coach, ten points for a win, three-point bonus for a road win, uh, five-point bonus for AFC-NFC championship game win, a 15-point bonus for the Super Bowl win, and negative ten points for a loss of ten points or more. How many total people are in this league? Up to 14. Up to 14? But how do 14 people... Respond right now to Charlie. Because you have have 14 teams in the league. Everyone gets one quarterback. You only get the full... Respond to Charlie and say Noonan wants in. Everyone gets 14. 14. You only fill a a roster of one quarterback, one running back, one tight end. So it's like DraftKings of 14 people? No, but it's a snake draft. Here's what I'm... But there's only 12 quarterbacks in the league. Still alive. We can accommodate it up to 14 teams. There are eight teams in each. How many teams are in the playoffs? Eight, and then there's four teams on by from each division. Forget the buys. It's, yeah, it's, it's total it's points total. for the entire yeah, playoffs. I understand so that. How many that quarter- makes it 12 total teams. Still. Mm, there has to be more than 12 total teams. Otherwise, then he's wrong. It has to be Two 12. teams on by in the AFC. Two teams on by in NFC. Two teams... Two games in each league that makes four. That's twelve teams total okay, in the so playoffs. So he was wrong, and it could be a total of twelve teams. You play with up to twelve then, <laughs> or maybe that's why you have head coaching. You just don't. You, you, some you, teams don't have a quarterback. Out of a quarterback that would be that would be horrible. Maybe I have no idea. Charlie's <laughs> crazy. Charlie don't serve is nuts. He's a lawyer, so you yeah, can, you can probably let, lawyer let him, one way let, or the let other. Let him know that I'm I'm in. I told um, you. One thing I want to do before. Um, we go on, we complete and keep going on. Is my brother-in-law uh, Bob gave me uh, about three or four Christmases ago uh, an amazing book by uh, Ben Fountain, and it was Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And you guys ever heard of this book? Mm-hmm. Great book. It won a lot of awards, and it was like a, a, a top book. Something that crazily happened while I was watching, I think Keanu last night. Uh, there, Ang Lee. Broken Back Mountain, uh, he did Hulk, he's done a bunch of amazing, I think he did uh, 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 Life of Pi, one of the great directors around. Um, basically, Billy Lynn's Long time, long Halftime Walk is, is a movie that came out in November, I had no idea. If you guys are listening to this, and we know you love football if you're listening to this two hours and 36 minutes into it, check out that movie. If, if you don't want to check out the movie, read the book. The book is awesome. It's about a guy that comes back from Afghanistan, and they're honoring him in the new Dallas Stadium, uh, AT&T Stadium, and it is just an awesome, awesome book. Read it, and I was looking at it the other day. Like It opened up. They didn't even say anything. Like, this is fucking Billy Locked at halftime. I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't even know they were making a movie about it. Came out. It's going to be on DVD. Check that shit out. We're all about giving you the fantasy culture with with fantasy football and NFL and all that. That is an amazing, amazing book. Got a war. Excuse me, stewardess. Is there a movie on this flight? <laughs> yes. A movie on this flight. <laughs> I love how John Kenny is the only guy that can get away with laughing yeah. at his own jokes all the time. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, all right. What are we doing? You got any? You got any other? Uh, you got any other action over there, buddy? I mean, just the elite scorers at the wide receiver position, and when people are critiquing about how zero, you know, RB worked or didn't work, 
Like, if you drafted the right wide receivers and you got your DeMarco Murray a little bit later in the draft, it still could have worked for you. Um, you just needed to get, like, a Jordy Nelson in the second round or, you know, Mike Evans in the second, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, one of those guys, and have a little bit less of the Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I, I can't believe the step down that those guys took. See, I, I can understand the step down of DeAndre Hopkins because they added a secondary receiver to him. They changed quarterbacks. But Allen Robinson's free fall is just one of the most unexplainable things. I, I mean, I guess he played with the new quarterback this season. Yeah. <laughs> this dude was awful. <laughs> he, he played with he played with Blanche, uh, Mrs. Blanche Bortles, driving Miss Blanche Bortles. But, you, you tell, are, you going, are you going Blanche Dubois from a streetcar yes. named Desire? And Thank you're expecting you. that many people to know what we're talking about? I didn't about? even know what, it, what I was talking about. Okay. You did, <laughs> you did, yeah. Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Army training, sir! Army training, sir! I, th- I think we need to send D-Rex back to training. Uh, Blanche Dubois... No. All right. Anyway, we got another trend. I got a lot, man. All right. Well, let's throw one more. Let's throw one more at him. How about before we get to this trend, take a listen to this. All righty. So one of the things I also found very, very interesting is looking at Michael Thomas this season. Dude was excellent, uh, but. You're looking forward to the future. He might be a keeper for you. If you can keep him at the round, you got him. You know, I, I like doing that. But Drew Brees, they're talking about how he's going to be drafted in the first or second round next year, which is too rich for my blood. Drew Brees has never thrown 145 passes to a single wide receiver on his team ever in his targets. Yeah, he's never targeted him up more than 145 times. Wow. So that sort of caps his overall upside for me. But I still think Thomas is going to be you know, very, very strong. Uh, in PPR scoring, he had just three games with under double-digit fantasy points. Uh, dude was just consistent as all hell. Best rookie wide receiver you know, season since basically that – 2014 stud year. Well, you know, and this is the kind of the thing, I, I don't know if it's a trend or it's something that I want to look at as, you know, kind of an audit going back on rookies, is really with these, who are the standouts, where were they drafted, what is, are there any commonalities between these standouts, you know, because one of the things that I've been listening to, and it's funny, you know, of course, it always comes out at the end, right? At the end of the year after everything's all been played out. But where you're getting people kind of giving back their full stories on, from what they heard from scouts. I'm talking about from, like, uh, beat reporters on these different podcasts and things. And, like, the two of the guys that, that, that I heard talked about the most were Jordan Howard and Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas was, what was he, like, the eighth wide receiver drafted right. or something oh. in, in, in the... It was a second-round pick. There were... Fifth, maybe sixth. Fifth or sixth. But there were... These scouts were saying, this is by far the best wide receiver talent that's coming out of this class. <sighs> but but for whatever reason, it's... Like, I, don't, I don't know why... I, I but, didn't hear that from any scouts last year. Everybody was pretty... 
committal that it was LeCron Treadle. The only one who liked uh, Michael Thomas the most was Matt Miller uh, from Bleacher Report. Well, as I said, maybe this is revisionist history because it's one yeah. of those things that you don't hear until after the season is over. That well, no, I, I, think, I think body. I think it just like. Body, body of the gods, but he didn't do shit really on that Ohio State team. Well, so, like his stats were so piss poor, but body wise and underwear. But there's, but there's wise, always these guys that are underestimated, right? I mean, I'll go back to you know again because I'm in the, all these dynasty leagues where we're drafting all these rookies, and you, so you have and we're drafting them two days after they're drafted in the NFL draft. So as soon as the draft ends, we start our draft, and you have to make a, a judgment. But it's like I'll never forget. A guy that was kind of overlooked um, in his year that ended up having a hell of an NFL career was Dwayne Bowe, you know, mm-hmm. and and why? He went, I mean, he went to Indiana. It wasn't a bigger program or anything. He had the size and everything, but he just didn't do anything extor- extraordinarily well. Dwayne Bowe went to LSU, yeah. bro. LSU, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, the guy who I'm thinking of was the failure from from Indiana who I thought was going to be good. What the no, fuck was that guy? not the Bronco? Uh, the, no, no, no. The, the wide receiver who... Um, Cody Latimer? No, 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 no. Before, before. This is like this is like, uh, like seven, eight years ago. Um, I can't remember. Got me. Regard, regardless, all day session ales. We love It's still working. I'm, I'm okay. I, oh, you're great. Yeah. Oh, you're great. I, I talk stupid shit more No, but LSU, okay, okay, right now. Because I, I, Dwayne Bow was a guy Somewhere that was probably like the... Dwayne Bowe. He was probably like... I think the, the tenth wide receiver drafted in his year, you know, just guys that were overlooked, and there's always it happens every year. You know, what is this? Is it because guys are trying to fit systems? Because guys fall in love with speed and bullshit and all this other stuff that happens at the underwear? Let's Olympics? also be honest. If Thomas went to twenty-eight other, teams, if he went to Kansas City, he'd be fine. If he went twenty other, twenty-eight other teams, and that's just this is just the nature of the beast and. Professional sports. Twenty-eight other teams. He has had seven catches this season. It, it does matter where you go <laughs> and where you are. What are you doing? No, no, get off. Get off. She's got to make my bunk. See, we're in Italy. The guy in the top bunk. He's got to make the guy in the bottom bunk. He's got to make his bed all the time. See, it's in the regulations. See, we were in Germany. I would have to make yours. But we're in Italy, so you got to make mine. It's regulations. It's regulations. So, sort of along the lines with that, uh, I think one of the important <laughs> one of the important things to sort of think of is people are saying best player available, you know, isn't a thing. So there's this whole thing called draft the right players, and there was this whole Twitter argument today that was great to just sort of peek your head into. It's like, yeah, draft the right players doesn't exist, but best player available does. But also subsets of best player available, you know, through tier drafting and setting it up, you know, through however you may want. Like, I think on my tiers this year, I'm not going to have a tier one tight end. And I'm not going to have a tier one quarterback. Just to say that I'm not drafting any of these guys over, you know, uh, a running back or receiver. I, I can't do it that way. For me, it will be my tier one will have four guys in it. So, like, I'm not going to make any, like, if, if for those tight ends, there's no clear differentiator. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but that's no change in what you've already been doing. No, some, no, because I'll have, like, Gronkowski's always been, like, a clear uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, like, gotcha. When, I, when I had, like, like this year. But I think he's t- he's doing this in a way of, like, in a stand of. 
I, I get like I get what you're saying. Time yeah. stamping on like, hey, can't do it yet, can't do it yet. All right, we're open. Well, right, open we're for open business. for business. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always still looking <laughs> it's at the third round. I can do this. I'm always still looking at guys in there, and and it's still just I still have to have a one. I'm sorry, it still starts at one for me. I get what you're I get what you're coming. I at. mean, there's a one in the rankings. There's not a tier one. Okay, <laughs> I like it. I like it. So maybe tier one is is with zero, zero players. Zero players. <laughs> that, that, that's fine. For me, it's like I'll still probably have a. That's called zero RB, zero QB, zero wide receiver, zero players. It's it's effectively (laughs) the same result because I'll put four or five guys in there, which means I don't care. It's just one of these five guys. If I can get one of these five guys, it's basically like a top tier guy. But it's not like reach. This guy's in a tier with just two guys in that tier. Guys, I want us to not talk about tiers much because that's going to be. In yeah. one of the next couple but shows we do, we're going to really dive into tears. The whole point of me sort of saying that was it, best player available you know, is great, but it's not just best player available because we've got to take into account all these other things. It, it's best situation. And, you know, is Isaiah Crowell a better player than Todd Gurley? No. But is he in a better situation to where that's something I have to take into account? You know, like it's everything that makes it best player available, and just best player available isn't alone based on the skill level of a player. There's so many many different yeah. factors that are going to go into that for you. But this whole draft the right players, it's never going to exist because there's variance from season to season, and you could draft what on paper looks to be the best team you know you've ever seen in your life, but you ended up with. DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson, but you got LaShawn McCoy and DeMarco Murray, and, and you know, you had Rob Gronkowski somehow for a while, but then your team just ended up like crap. But here's, it but here's the, the one thing that we know, and this is the one thing I want to drive home you can still draft those teams and still have the best team there is. Yeah. Um, I missed out on most points in my league by three fucking in my big money league three fucking points. It was a thousand dollars, and my number one pick was fucking Adrian Peterson. And the guy that won it, his number one pick was uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And the guy that won it all, his number one pick was fucking uh, Ezekiel oh, yeah, yeah. in a rookie league, and uh. his keeper. Was a uh, 17th round Jordy Nelson. Uh, enough about my leagues. What I wanted to talk about is last year, Adrian Peterson the same. Do not think that if you fuck it up and you have a shitty draft at the end or you walk away like Stag said, and you're like, I got the best thing ever. And week two, you're like, I got the worst thing ever. Does not matter. Want to know why? Because want to know who one of my best wide receivers was? Who Stag Party told us together? In every league, Terrell Williams on the show. We're sitting here like, Terrell Williams, I love his schedule. I love what's going on. Every league I have him, and the guy scored me from that point on about 115 yeah. points. I'll, same boat. I'm in the same boat. So <laughs> in the league that I ended up finishing um, with the second best record in the league, uh, ended up in a bull. I lost in the, in the semifinals, uh, then had to play the next week because I just carried on. Would have won the whole league because I had the best points in the in the final week. I had uh, where I finished. I finished third overall. Uh, salary cap league where my bulk of my money, fifty one dollars, so twenty five percent of my salary cap was spent on Keenan Allen. Uh, traded. I traded away like a draft pick and, and crap to get Jamal Charles. 
oh, that didn't work out. Then ship Jamal Charles in order to get somebody else. Darren Sproles. Uh, no, but it was no. The Darren Sproles was a separate trade. Okay. Yeah, I got I, I got uh, in the Jamal Charles trade. I got Darren Sproles back. Then when Sproles was named the starter after a good week, and this is where Stags was talking about Tyrell Williams, I said, "You think it would be a good idea?" I said, like, "This guy might take this trade." He goes, "Yeah, do it." Offer the trade, he took it. Tyrell Williams scored like 75 more points than, than Darren Sproles the rest of the year. And that guy had the best team, and he lost in the championship. There's so oh, many guys that Terrell Williams would have put him over the edge. That was there's, there's a Terrell Williams at every position times three every year. I think, do we know who it is now? No, but that's why your pickups piece is so important. That's why we do this podcast on a weekly basis. And it does not matter. You can fill in so many holes. Um, let's do a couple things because we got to uh, we got to kind of yeah. I'll do a Valverde, but just we're at two fifty. We got to kind of we'll close, close it out. Here. out. Valverde. Hi, I'm John Winger of the United States Army. And you're my prisoner. How are you doing, this time? Chicago. <laughs> Bang bang, bang bang bang! That movie I alluded to earlier—it's all about the, the the earlier part. Splatro, the Splatro's kids went to my high school. Um, it's like, yeah, the Sp- Splatro owned the NFL betting at the start of. Then Splatro's went, who casinos about the okay. Splatro's? Oh, okay. <laughs> but then this other guy is running it now. God, it's so funny. Just Chicago. We own it. Stag party. What do you got? Are we done? I don't have Are we done? I think, I think we could probably. I think we should shut it down too. Gary Barnage had 158 points last year. How about that? And and, and the 137 was the. Well, this year. Yeah, how many do you think? 37? <laughs> nice, close. What do you think Barnage had this year? Like 64. 73. Damn. Oh, reverse it by 37. But 110 less. He went from number two to number 20. Gary Barnage, Barnacle style. Said Barnacle uh, Bill, the sailor. I'm going to give a couple stats we talked to, that we referred to earlier. Reggie Bush did set a record for being the only player ever to have negative rushing yards. 13 carries, negative 3 rushing yards. The, the uh, Kardashian curse must have been in full effect. Unless you... Do you believe in the Madden curse? You want to know who's on the cover of the Madden box this year? Who was it? Gronk. Oh, the Madden oh, curse it's alive. is still alive. It's last, alive. Last year was Odell, though, so... It's alive. It's been resurrected, though. <laughs> it has. It's back all right. alive. Amen, guys. Uh, last Odell was the anomaly. That's all I can say. All I'll say is Drew Brees, another 5,000-yard season. That guy, I don't care. I'm sick of... I moved him up a bunch. I think we all had him within our top four or five, but every year, it doesn't matter, especially now with Thomas, we talked in the last uh, ten minutes about that guy's just too much. He's got five 5,000-yard <laughs> seasons. You want to know how many 5,000-yard uh, seasons are by all the other quarterbacks in the history five, of the NFL four. combined? Four. Here's the other crazy thing. <laughs> the the, you, you, you had to believe, or the thought was, oh, well, they're not going to throw as much. They're going to be more committed to the running game after they trade Jimmy Graham to bring in Max Unger. And, no, here you go. Still, still tucking Breeze, Breeze is the greatest. Noodle arm. Amen, guys. Hey, Happy New Year. Deanie, love you, bro. 
Stag Party, love you. It's been a fucking awesome season. Now it's playoff time. Let's do some DFS action. We're going to be here with you every week. It's just good times. Chicago is cold as fuck right now, but we're warming here because we're having throwing back some Valverde's. What do you got? It's, it's, we're in the off season. It doesn't end. We're going to close out. This music is, is, is testament to that. This is New Monsoon. It's a new year, so we're bringing in a new monsoon. Yeah. And the title, Keep On Pushing. It doesn't ever stop in sex, in life, in fantasy football. Oh, I just start with sex. We love it. Because <laughs> that's what I think about when I think about pushing. <laughs>
good. I'd like to try it just one more time, and then we'll call it a day.